0: And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions.
1: Hop, hop, hooray! Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find?
0: If you're going to create a religion, why not make it revolve around cool, clone-making aliens and make it super sex-positive? There aren't many religions or cults, whatever you end up calling these believers, on this tiny blue ball in space of ours, like the Raelians, sometimes pronounced Rialians. I'm going to go with Raelians because it's easier to say. Uh, Mix ancient alien beliefs and counterculture free love ideals, filtered through a French failed musician and race car enthusiasts, intense desire to feel important and get laid, and you have yourself the fringe UFO religious movement of the Raelians who currently claim more than 100,000 sexy, nerdy, clone-loving believers. There is so much to this group, from building an embassy for their alien gods to land at in the near future, to their cringy logo, to a program called Clitorade, their order of angels, and their claims of clones, which tie to both a form of immortality and sex slave fantasies. Today we meet these alien lovers and their founder and prophet, Rail, also known as Rael, Real name Claude, who really wants you to love him, especially if you're a very attractive young woman. Grab your space helmets and moon boots for a kind of cult, 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 sex, sex, sex intergalactic edition of Time Suck.
2: This is Michael McDonald, and you're listening to Time Suck. (laughs) You're listening to Time Suck.
0: happy monday meat sacks let's get so fucking weird today welcome to the cult of the curious i'm dan cummins a suck master uh elohim clone sex slave product tester life inside elizabeth stunt double and you are listening to time suck hail nimrod hail lucifina did you give claude the idea for his sex religion jangles and glory be to triple m uh thanks to everyone who came out a few weekends back to the oklahoma city stand-up shows uh so fun I will get back there someday. Uh, really like the city of Oklahoma City. Uh, That's the first time I uh, spend time there. Atlanta this coming weekend, six shows at the Punchline. Most shows sold out and not many tickets left, so grab them fast if you want to come. Looking forward to uh, a lot of fun there. Another great city. America is full of great cities. The world is. Uh, Charlotte, Tempe, Raleigh, Missoula, and more coming up. Uh, Missoula almost sold out, and we won't be able to add another show last minute to that venue, so hope you can get tickets if you want to go. Uh, Speaking of tickets, tickets for Wet Hot Bad Magic Summer Camp. I said it right that time. Uh, They go on sale 24 hours after this episode drops into the feed. Tuesday, March 15th, noon Pacific time. And then when they're gone, they're gone. The space can only serve a limited number of meat sacks. Just 300 total VIP tickets available. Uh, Come get wet with me this August. Uh, More details at badmagicmerch.com. One more quick thing. uh, Mad Respect continues for the people of Ukraine. Uh, And still death to Putin. Hope this all leads to that tyrannical despot's eventual destruction. He's hurting both his own people and the people of Ukraine right now for what? Ego. Power. To make Russia a stronger world power. Make him a stronger leader. And as someone who values freedom, no part of me understands anyone in this country who supports Putin right now. Do not support tyranny. Hail Ukraine. Hail Poland for everything they're doing to help Ukraine. I think instead of making fun of the Polish going forward, I might have to suck their dicks now. Don't tell my wife. They're great people. Uh, And now stay where you are to come get weird with me. I love this shit. Let's talk about aliens. Let's talk about an alien religion, cult, sex type club thingy. Let's talk about realism. Here is our show structure today. First, going to try and define realism and see how it compares to other UFO religions slash cults we've covered before on Time Suck, like Heaven's Gate Order of the Solar Temple and Scientology. Then we'll examine some other UFO cults who have not uh, we've not talked about before. That may have influenced Raelian realism or Raelianism, I like to also call it. Uh, then we'll dig into the belief system of the Raelians before meeting their living prophet Rael. Probably call him Rael quite a bit. Uh, a French eccentric, actually named Claude Maurice Marcel Volon uh, in today's timeline. So what is Raelism? A UFO religion? Uh, sex cult, pleasure cult, uh, atheistic religion. It's been described or defined by all those terms and more. The government of France, the nation where uh, Raelism or Raelianism began, classifies the Raylian movement as a sect. A secte? Uh, translates just directly into the, uh, you know, word sect. But that word is common usage-wise the equivalent of the word, word cult here in English. Uh, the Bureau of Democracy, Human Rights, and Labor of the United States Department of State created in 1977 to help advance individual liberty and democratic freedoms around the world, they have classified the international Raelian movement as a religion. Many journalists have called it a cult of some kind and reading all kinds of articles on realism, watching a great newish full-length documentary film, 2020's The Prophet and the Space Aliens. And after poking around quite a bit on the organization's own website and flipping through some of their literature, I'm still not sure uh, how to properly define them. Can you have a religion that doesn't believe in a God or gods? Yes, actually. Uh, According to the Apple Dictionary app, there are three definitions for the noun religion. Uh, The first is the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal God or gods. Two, a particular system of faith and worship. And three, a pursuit or interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. And technically, realism fits the criteria for all three of those definitions. It is a particular system of faith and worship. It is definitely a pursuit or interest to which many different someones have ascribed supreme importance. And the railings do believe in a superhuman controlling power of sorts, just not one that they define as a god. Now, they believe in, uh, in aliens who pretty much act as gods. We've never covered any other topic quite like realism before, the closest companion sucks would be the Heaven's Gate UFO cult, Scientology, and Order of the Solar Temple Doomsday cult episodes. So how does uh, Raylism compare to these other alien-influenced belief systems? Well, Heaven's Gate and Realianism, uh I'll probably keep calling it back and forth between Raylism and Raelianism. It's fun to spice it up. Uh, both founded in 1974, one in the U.S., the other in France. One of the central beliefs of heaven's gate was that the followers could transform themselves into immortal extraterrestrial beings by rejecting their human nature. And if they did that, which involved cutting off their balls or at least uh, having them, you know, chemically castrated, uh, they could ascend to heaven referred to as the next level or the evolutionary level above human. Most extraterrestrial based spiritual belief systems seem to be very focused on spiritual evolution. Right Some notion of you gotta raise your consciousness. you gotta you gotta raise your vibrational frequency that gets talked about a lot through something like uh, yoga or meditation, forsaking violence, uh, group chanting, uh, mostly through focusing on your on, on your fellow man, loving your fellow man. as fucking weird as many of these belief systems are, they're generally pretty harmless and focused on love. Uh, aliens in the backdrop, with the day-to-day activities, uh, more hippie drum circle than they are trekky convention. Uh, Luckily, only two have ended in mass suicide like Heaven's Gate. Originally, Heaven's Gate founders, Bonnie Nettles and Marshall Applewhite, old tea and dough. And their followers thought that they would board a spaceship while still alive and then be flown to uh, a type of heaven. Uh, Later, after Bonnie died, before any kind of sweet, sweet ascension, the group then conveniently now believed that you needed to die before ascending. And their spirits would, uh, you know, board a spaceship traveling through space in the tail of the comet Hale-Bopp. And similar to the Raelians, they believed that the Christian God was not a supernatural omnipotent being, but rather just a highly evolved alien that we interpreted as the kind of God of the Christian Bible. And they believed also like the Raelians, that early humans writing the Bible, right? They just um, didn't have the ability to comprehend extraterrestrials the way we do now, which is why they wrote it down as a God. And they believed that evil aliens, Luciferians, presented themselves to ancient earthlings as God's in order to, uh, to corrupt their religions and help stop humans from transcending to the point, leveling up spiritually, where they could become godlike themselves. Very ego-fulfilling, right? You can become like God. Uh, they use the Bible theology as a type of doctrinal base coat, then painted some sci-fi beliefs over the top of it. Uh, all of the UFO religions I've been able to find do a version of this, right? The base coat might not be Christianity. It might be uh, theosophy or Hinduism. You know, some other type of religion, but none of the ones I found just just build an entire belief system from scratch. The Order of the Solar Temple, they formed a decade after the Raelians, 1984, launching also in France and quickly establishing themselves also in Quebec, where the Raelians would also uh, quickly move to, and Switzerland, also where the Raelians went to. So, similar kind of migration pattern. Uh, Their beliefs, past tense, if they still exist following the other infamous UFO cult mass suicide uh, they no longer have any sort of internet presence at all and their beliefs don't seem to have been uh, as defined as most other cults or religious movements we've covered here they technically fall under the umbrella of ufo religions because they believe that death was an illusion and that when you die your consciousness would move on to another planet and so ufos would just be humans who had moved on to other planets doing some uh, space exploration back on this planet and they believed that Christ would return to Earth uh, as some kind of extraterrestrial solar king. Well, Heaven's Gate and the Order of the Solar Temple ended up being suicide cults. Raelians, most UFO, uh, UFO religions or UFO cults, however you want to call it, uh, very anti-suicide. So that's good. All about staying alive, experiencing lots of pleasure, as you'll see with the Raelians. Uh, very uh, hedonistic in some ways, very sex positive. In many ways, Raelians, uh, really not that bad, actually. Uh, much more odd weird than bad then there's scientology uh scientology also technically a ufo religion which is loosely defined as any religion in which the existence of extraterrestrial entities possibly operating unidentified flying objects you know uh, an element of belief stories of extraterrestrial civilizations and spaceships do definitely form a part of scientology's belief system uh, as much as they sometimes don't want to uh Talk about that publicly. Uh, Xenu, the ruler of the Galactic Confederacy in L. Ron Hubbard's space opera masquerading as religion, is said to have brought billions of frozen people to Earth 75 million years ago. Placed them on a number of volcanoes. Dropped hydrogen bombs on them. Thus killing the entire population in an effort to solve overpopulation. You get it. It's pretty straightforward, well thought out, and most of all, believable. Uh, the spirits of these frozen people were then captured by Zenu and mass implanted with numerous suggestions and then uh, packaged into clusters of spirits. Are you still following? If so, I am fucking impressed. Uh, the core of Scientology is especially poorly written. And I say that as someone who is not impressed by any of the origin stories for any of today's major religions. Uh, Scientology also teaches that all humans have experienced innumerable past lives, including lives in ancient advanced extraterrestrial societies. Traumatic memories from these past lives are said to be the cause of many present-day physical and mental ailments. According to Hubbard, when we die, our our thetans, basically a Scientology term for for a soul, go to a landing station on the planet of Venus, obviously, where the soul is then programmed to forget its previous lifetimes and be reconditioned for use in a new vessel. And you would fucking know that if you ever took the time to look at the surface of Venus with a high-powered telescope. Wake up and look at the Thetan refurbishing factories on the surface of Venus. If you doubt for a second the supreme truth of Elrond, DM Tom Cruise, if you don't understand any of this. I'm sure he'll get back to you. Uh, The Venusians, I think that's how you say people from Venus, which is a fucking nonsensical term. It's not real. Uh, The Venusians then uh, capsule each Thetan send it back to Earth to be dumped into, obviously, the Gulf of California, whereupon each thetan searches for a new body to in- inhabit. And bingo, bingo, a new baby is born. Hakuna Matata, motherfucker. And if you want to break this cycle, Hubbard wrote about how, you know, you just simply uh, you refuse to go to Venus after you die, okay? You just pull a Nancy Reagan and you just say no. N- no, thank you, Venusians. I would rather not. Have my, have my soul recycled. I appreciate the offer. Uh, hard pass. I would rather, I don't, I don't fucking know, uh, float around and be a Scientology ghost or some shit. Uh, L. Ron, uh, he, didn't, he didn't make a lot of this very clear. So please just give me a second to think about it, Venusians. Okay, so, uh, so there you go. <laughs> did, I, did I mention Elron wrote a lot of pulp science fiction before he imagined up a, a newly, new religion? And that while he was a, a working author, he was, he was never known for being a particularly good one. Uh, Luckily, Raelianism is not uh, as blatantly nefarious, not nearly, as Scientology is. Uh, You don't have to keep paying for expensive literature and weird auditing sessions uh, and more to keep leveling up in your quest to become clear. You are not bullied and harassed by members for leaving and or criticizing the movement. You are not labeled a suppressive person. And current members are not forbidden from speaking to you for daring to say, "Um, this is fucking weird. Uh, No, this isn't working for me. Uh, Aurelianism not nearly as rigid and structured as Scientology. Uh, There is also a few other episodes we've done related to today's topic in some way. Uh, Suck number 157, Mormonism, the good, the bad, and the FLDS. Technically, you can place the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints under the umbrella of UFO religions. Let me explain. Lorenzo Snow, fifth president of the church from 1898 to 1901, once summarized the LDS doctrine of eternal progression, saying, As man now is, God once was. As God now is, man may be. Founder Joseph Smith, months before his death, told followers that the Christian God, the Father, once passed through mortality, just as Jesus did. This is generally interpreted as meaning that God once lived on a planet, a different planet with his own higher God, which technically makes God an alien. And I'm simplifying this a bit uh, just to summarize it, but this is the gist. If you die a, a good, you know, core teaching following, you know, tenet following Mormon, uh, you become as God is in the afterlife. And you are given your own solar system and planet to populate and turn into a whole new world. And then the best Mormons on that new planet also get their own planets, right? And then the cycle of galactic human expansion continues exponentially. A lot of potential for some advanced human civilizations making it to space travel capability if you just trace this situation back prior to our planet's development. Right? The church has uh, publicly dismissed this interpretation in recent years. But when I went to a Mormon church in Marcy, Idaho, in the mid-1990s, I was taught, oh, I don't know, I love that I said 1990s. As if, <laughs> like if I didn't say that, you might think 1890s. When I, listen, when I went uh, to a church in the 1890s, now when I, in the mid-90s, I was taught exactly this. Uh, Joseph Fielding Smith, 10th LDS president from 1970 to 1972, uh, did teach that just as there are millions of galaxies, there are also millions of gods. He wrote, the great universe of stars has multiplied beyond the comprehension of men. Evidently, each of these great systems is governed by divine law. With divine presiding gods, for it would be unreasonable to assume that each was not so governed. You can find that in Smith's book, Answers to Gospel Questions, uh, chapter two, verse 144. And this notion of a bunch of other planets being inhabited by a bunch of other Mormons could easily lead to, has led to, interpreting, uh, interpreting UFOs, as other humans, you know, technically in that situation, other Mormons uh, visiting us from other planets. So Raelianism as religion, uh, not nearly as layered, nuanced, organized, structured as Mormonism though. It's doctrines uh, so loose, almost non-existent compared to Mormonism and Mormonism, while it may have uh, some elements that can be classified as extraterrestrial, you know, it is firmly rooted in Christian theology, despite some Christian groups saying that it is not, not so much with Raelianism. Uh, Raylanism patterns itself hierarchy-wise after Catholicism a bit, you know, terms like priests and bishops and things. Uh, it does reference Christian figures, Christian uh, stories as part of its uh, advanced aliens created as theology, but not actually that grounded in Christianity. The base coat, you know, pretty thin on this one. Uh, two more previous TimeSuck topics also relate a bit to today's topic. Uh, might as well mention them just very quickly. We met the Raylians a few months ago in the Celebrity Cloning Conspiracy Suck. Episode 258. We'll talk about the uh, interesting cloning claims of the Raelians again today and and why that venture was so important to them. And then finally, Raelianism founder Claude uh, Vaurian, excuse me, uh, Vaurian, Vaurian, his last name is kind of tricky for me, uh, may have uh, borrowed some of his ancient aliens, uh, came from outer space and deemed me to be their prophet beliefs from ancient astronaut theory authors, like some of the ones we met just a few weeks prior to that episode, about the cloning, and Suck Number 255, Ancient Aliens and Ancient Sumerians. After these comparisons to other religious groups, I'm still not sure how to properly define the Raelians. They are uh, their own thing, but not born in a vacuum. Let's look at a few other UFO religions. I think Claude may have been pretty inspired and influenced by when he came up with his religion. Uh, after we get our heads further around the small slice of religious pie that Raelianism was born out of, then we'll dig specifically into the beliefs of the Raelians, and then we'll meet their living prophet, uh, Raël, a French eccentric actually named Claude Maurice Marcel Vaurion in today's timeline. Uh, religions based around uh, beliefs in UFOs, extraterrestrials, uh, are pretty new, kind of. Many members of UFO religions would argue that all the male- major religions of the world are UFO religions. And therefore, UFO religions are the oldest religions in the world, right? Fuck yeah, bro. But those stupid, stupid ancient people, they just didn't understand what they were seeing when they were supposedly looking at miracles or heard heard God or gods. Those were fucking aliens, dude. Jesus was an alien. Buddha was an alien. Muhammad was an alien. All the Hindu gods, aliens. The gods of Mount Olympus, aliens. The creatures of Celtic mythology, probably not aliens. Probably completely made up gibberish. I mean, come on. The vampire? Abertock thingies, uh, silky Seal, Mermaid, weird fucking creatures, uh, Demon Fairy, uh, Lannishy Monsters, that shit has hallucinogens and or fever dreams written all over them. But seriously, stupid primitive old meat sacks, their little cave folk pea brains, couldn't begin to process ancient astronauts or ancient aliens as aliens or as humans from the future or whatever. So they turned them into gods. That is what many UFO religion adherents believe. The rest of the world seems to believe that UFO religions are uh, strictly a recent phenomenon. Product of the past 70 years or so, uh, born out of science fiction of the past roughly 120 years. The kind of shit written by former suck subject H.P. Lovecraft and his contemporaries and authors of uh, a few generations before him. Maybe inspired by that science fiction, UFO mania kicked the fuck off uh, late 40s, early 1950s, as did new UFO religions right alongside these sightings, uh, which just makes sense, I guess. What seems to be the most comprehensive list of UFO religions I found on the web, the oldest UFO religion listed was founded in 1953, right here right here in the U.S. of A., the Seekers. When I saw that name, I thought, oh, that's a great band name. And it is. Uh, There is a band called the Seekers, Australian Folk Pop Quartet, formed in 1962, Uh, first Australian pop music group to achieve major chart and sales success in the U.K. and the U.S. But we're not talking about those Seekers. Seekers we're talking about were originally organized in 1953 by Charles uh, Lofhead, staff member at Michigan State University, East Lansing. They were led by Dorothy Martin from Chicago, who believed a UFO would save them from a catastrophe December 21st, 1954. They'd meet in a non-denominal church to hear alien messages given to Dorothy. Then after the aliens ditched them and didn't show up in 1954, they realized they were being a bunch of silly ass clowns and they went back to their regular lives focusing on their retirement plans, uh, raising their kids to the best of their abilities. Uh, JK. No, that's not how that shit works. No, they just quickly pushed back the date over and over like other bullshit doomsday cults we've studied, uh, like the Jehovah's Witnesses have done so many times. Interestingly, noted social psychologist Leon Festinger infiltrated this particular group, pretending to share their beliefs, went undercover, really studied them back in the early 50s, and he wrote a book about the experience, When Prophecy Fails, a social and psychological study of a modern group that predicted the destruction of the world. Uh, Fessinger infiltrated the Seekers with the goal of studying their cognitive reactions and coping mechanisms when their beliefs inevitably failed, a thought process which Fessinger named, drumroll please, cognitive dissonance, something we have talked about over and over and over on TimeSec. The term cognitive dissonance is used to describe the mental discomfort that results from holding two conflicting beliefs, values, or attitudes. People tend to seek consistency in their attitudes and perceptions. So, this conflict causes feelings of unease or discomfort. This inconsistency between what people believe and how they behave motivates people to engage in actions that will help minimize feelings of discomfort. People attempt to relieve this tension in different ways, such as by rejecting, explaining away, or avoiding new information. You know, why, why won't that one uncle or neighbor or coworker of yours finally just accept? That QAnon and Pizzagate are preposterously idiotic conspiracies full of proven lie after proven lie, uh, prediction after prediction that has not even come fucking close to being true. Well, because uh, in large part, uh, cognitive dissonance. You know, realizing you have fallen hook, line and sinker for a web of lies that makes you look really stupid is very uncomfortable, it does not feel good. So rather than swallow that very bitter pill you twist all the evidence that makes you feel bad about yourself into being, you know, something like the devil's tricks. That's it. <laughs> That's the thing. Is the devil confusing me? And also the, um, the, uh, the deep state. <laughs> oh, bu- oh, buddy. You bet your QAnon is real and we'd know that if the deep state did constantly manipulate the media into lying to us. Damn you, deep state lizard people. Uh, You also double down on that one in a thousand moment where the crazy shit you've fallen for actually predicts something that happens. You know, when the randomly thrown dart fucking sticks in the right place. Aha, I told you this shit was real, right? Those feelings are good. Thinking that you're right, that feels good. Finding other people in your echo chamber to tell you that the people in your life telling you that you're crazy are sheeple, that they're idiots and that you're the smart one, that feels good. And so you keep ignoring all the information that makes you feel bad. No, thank you, uncomfortable truths. I don't wanna hear them. We meat sacks like to feel good. One of the things I think old Sigmund Freud got right was the pleasure principle, the instinctive urge to pursue what makes us feel good about ourselves and to avoid what makes us feel bad. Not to be confused with hedonism. Psychological pleasure might be following God's strict rules to avoid concern over damnation, something uh, not inherently physically pleasing, like uh, an orgasm. Connecting this back to cognitive dissonance, so many of us eagerly swallow lie after lie to keep the good feelings going. And this important social psychology theory, so relevant to understanding today's conspiracy culture, can be traced back to the first known example of a UFO religion. I thought that was very interesting. And the followers of Claude, uh, you know, aka Rael, they have to employ a lot of cognitive dissonance in order for them to keep actually believing in his half-baked ideas about aliens deeming him, uh, you know, their, their only current living prophet, their, their most important prophet. Uh, Jesus was a warm-up act for Claude, as you'll find out. Speaking of aliens, a belief in aliens is an example of something that makes a lot of us feel really good, right? Especially UFO religion adherents. Uh, they're the answer. Many UFO religions have assigned to arguably the most important question we humans have ever asked ourselves. Why are we here? Aliens create us. That's why. Ding, ding, ding. Question solved. Right? And they want us to love one another and look hot and get our fuck on as much as possible until they get back, say, the aliens. I'd say the question uh, that question is one of the top 2 most important questions we ever ask. The other one being what happens when we die? And the Raelians answer that question for its members as well. Well, the aliens bring us back to life. Yay! They create magical clones and bingo bango, new body, same old you inside. And what are we supposed to do with our time on earth now that the aliens have created us? Well, the Raelians have answered that too, probably the third most important question. Third most important question we ask. We're supposed to just love one another love, love, love. Fuck, fuck, fuck. How sweet and simplistic. What an easy pill to swallow. Uh, Also, as weird as an alien religion may sound to many, uh, pointing to aliens in your theological system isn't really a bad call, right? Because a lot of people believe in them. According to a Gallup poll done in July of 2021, 41% of Americans believe that some of the UFOs sighted are extraterrestrial in origin. Not as many, as the 87% of Americans polled by Gallup in 2017, they said they believe in God, but still that's a pretty good number, you know, if you're trying to recruit. Uh, and full disclosure, I'm part of that 41%. I love thinking about aliens. And I think statistically, well, they have to exist, don't they? An infinite galaxy, right? There's got to be some of them out there somewhere. And there's been too many sightings, in my opinion, for none of them to, you know, uh, just be actual aliens. Uh, but do I think we actually know anything concrete about them? No. No, I don't, because no one who doesn't seem absolutely crazy or full of shit to me has claimed to know what they're about. And certainly no one has provided any concrete proof that they know what aliens are up to. A lot of people have claimed, though, to received messages from aliens. Emanuel Swedenborg's publication, what a great name. What's your name? Emanuel Swedenborg. Hangy-bangy, I'm Mr. Swedenborg. We get it, you're from Sweden. Mr. Swedenborg, you... Uh, his publication, Ghosts from Other Planets, claiming that uh, he communed with spirits from other, uh, other planets, came out in 1758, accepted as the first claim of communication with extraterrestrials, but no religion formed in the wake of that claim. Uh, that didn't happen as far as we can tell, you know, tangent reconnecting finally uh, with the uh, previous narrative again, till the Seekers showed up in the early 50s. Well, the Seekers and Scientology and there are other theof- uh, theosophical movements that are kind of alien nature all that madam uh, he- helen blavatsky bullshit that came out of the mid and late 19th century that led to a belief for many in the and uh, a lot of wackadoodle new age nonsense the lemurians ancient people of atlantis root races ascended masters etc uh, we've covered some of that in episode 131 on national park mysteries and in the Nawabian nation of more cult as well uh, but the seekers are much more of a true ufo religion uh than like you know the scientologists that came before them Because they focus, uh, you know, uh, around uh, recent communing with extraterrestrials uh, than theosophical sex usually do. With the the Seekers, that Dorothy Martin, you know, middle-aged Chicago housewife who practiced automatic writing, she thought that ghosts could use her body as a vessel and write messages to the living through her. And sometime in the early 50s, she added that now aliens could also talk through her. She was a double threat, ghosts and aliens. She was the fucking Bo Jackson, the Deion Sanders. Of paranormal communicators. And she claimed to be. Uh, uh, Hope Dion's healing well by the way. Poor guy just lost a couple of toes. Uh, random thought I had to share. Uh, she claimed to be receiving messages from superior beings. From a planet she referred to as Clarion. The aliens of Clarion are speaking with me now. And these messages included a prophecy. That large portions of the US. Canada. Central America. And Europe. Will be destroyed by a flood. Asia's okay for some reason. Uh, it, the flood would happen before dawn on December 21st 1954. Right, but the aliens uh, would save everyone who followed and listened to her. So don't even worry about it. I wonder why that flood didn't happen. Weird. Maybe, maybe aliens prank over. Right? Does that ever happen? That's got to be it. It was it was some dickhead teenage alien fucking with poor Dorothy. I I've been forgiven that date, he hung up the t- telepathy connection and laughed so hard with his alien buddies. Well, Dorothy accrued a small number of dedicated believers. Some left or lost their jobs, neglected or ended their studies, ended relationships. Uh, with non-believers, gave money to to Dorothy, uh, disposed of possessions to prepare for their departure on a flying saucer, which they believe would rescue them and others in advance of the flood. I don't know why they just didn't, you know, try and travel to Asia. But when the flood didn't come, many of them stayed for years in this same little group, thanks to cognitive dissonance. All right, next up, uh, UFO, and we don't know a lot about the secrets. We know a bit more about these next few. I find these very interesting. Next up, a UFO religion that sprang up just across the English Channel from France, two decades before Claude started receiving his messages from extraterrestrials and then forming the Raelians. I think Claude knew about the Aetherius Society. Right, the Seekers may have influenced Claude and his Raelians, uh, but again, pretty small, don't know a ton about it. I think uh, there's a very good chance the Aetherius Society influenced him. The Aetherius Society, like the Seekers, kicked off in the 1950s. This one founded by Englishman George King, who claimed to have been contacted by some elite aliens, never the fucking scrub aliens, never the bottom of the JV bench aliens, right? These people, they always get contacted by like uh, the important aliens. In this case, the cosmic masters. The Aetherius Society was mostly based in uh, theosophy or theosophy as prevented by, you know, Blavatsky, that lunatic. Uh, Theosophy teaches that there is an ancient and secretive brotherhood of spiritual adepts known as the masters, who although found around the world, mostly centered in Tibet, sometimes are aliens. These masters, alleged by Blavatsky, to have cultivated great wisdom and supernatural powers. And most theosophists believe that it was they who initiated the modern theosophical movement through disseminating their teachings via Blavatsky, their chosen one. They believe that these masters are attempting to revive knowledge of an ancient religion once found around the world, maybe taught to humans by aliens. And it'll come again to eclipse the existing world religions when the aliens are fucking ready. I don't know why they're waiting. George King. Raised up in a Christian family with a strong occult interest in Wellington, England. uh, Was an intensely spiritually curious man who got way into theosophy initially. Uh, Before some VIP aliens hit him up, uh, he got into spiritual healing. He joined a couple of uh, theosophically based groups around London. Uh, Then he got really into fucking hardcore yoga. And then through the power of stretching and breathing right... He opened up some psychic fucking powers within himself. Fuck yes, he did. And these powers allowed him naturally to unlock the secrets of the universe. He became a master of the universe. He became a much thinner and bendier He-Man with no cool castle or sword or big green tiger horse thing. I have the power of yoga. Uh, King claimed that in 1954, while working as a more flexible than average taxi driver, while working as a fucking downward dog taxi driver, a voice told him, prepare yourself. (laughs) I hope it was that kind of voice. Prepare yourself. You are to become the voice of interplanetary parliament. And he was like, oh, fuck yeah, I am. And that voice he heard for sure was not any kind of mental illness manifesting itself. Or it's not a lie, he told. Come on, people don't do that. And then a never named, but super famous yoga swami dude beamed into his locked apartment one day, kind of like Kirk and Spock and the others who beamed to planets on Star Trek. And that guy told him that he needed to gather followers in anticipation of receiving messages from cosmic masters living on Venus. Always Venus for some reason. That's how you know you're talking to the real cosmic masters, right? They live on Venus. They're not fucking idiots slumming it up on Mars like a bunch of fucking chump, low-rent, loser aliens. Fuck, Mar- fuck Martians. Venus aliens are the good ones. Everyone knows that. Uh, these masters told this taxi driver that throughout history, Various cosmic master superhero types like Buddha and Jesus came to earth from various planets to teach us dipshits how to behave so we can have nice things, right? Jesus, Jesus, uh, cheese it, and <laughs> cheese it and Jesus, uh, Jesus, cheese it and Buddha. No, they came from Venus, duh. Krishna came from Saturn for some reason. Uh, Randy Macho Man Savage came from Uranus lucifina came from a super sexy planet in a galaxy far far away what planet you might wonder shut the fuck up that's none of your business worm. uh nimrod came from everywhere and nowhere he created all the planets Uh, i like how the crazy things that i just threw at the end really don't seem crazier to me than what king actually claimed Uh, also a lot of aliens live on earth right now you just can't see them because they vibrate on a different frequency than we do that's why some ufos who are generally just peaceful aliens hanging out around here. That's why they blink in and out because the the vibrating. Their vibrational frequency, it's raising, it's lowering. It's not always the same, but you know that. Everyone knows that. Uh, King died in 1997. His Ethereum society, religion, somehow still lives on today. Uh, no, no one knows how many members there are worldwide exactly, uh, but believed to possibly be you a know, few thousand members, mostly based in the U.S. and New Zealand. There are supposedly 35 worship centers according to their website. I have a feeling a lot of those or all of those worship centers are less of like a cool looking temple and more of a believer's spare bedroom that maybe has like an exercise bike and not a lot else, you know, in it right now, not really being used. Uh, Members are very much against nuclear everything. Uh, They're against any form of war. They're very much in favor of yoga, Um, alternative medicine, reincarnation, karma, spiritual healing, that sort of stuff. Uh, Peace and love, good. War and violence, bad, guys. Gosh dang. It's the Church of Virtue Signaling. Uh, they're focused on raising their vibrational frequencies. Of course they are, by becoming better, more loving people to a high enough level to please the next cosmic master who will arrive at some point and bring about the Age of Aquarius. And this next superhero is going to show up all fucking Independence Day-like in a big-ass spaceship and present humanity with a choice. Follow divine law and enjoy the new millennium idiots, or be sent to a shitty lesser planet where you have to go through a bunch of painful reincarnations to make it back here again, okay? Uh, If you want, you can still become a part of this uh, active religion. To become a member, you first need to read a bunch of books listed on ethereus.org. Seriously, don't don't even fucking email their webmaster until you've read these. The 12 blessings, the nine freedoms, contacts with the gods from space, realize your inner potential, the cosmic plan, Pride and Prejudice, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, The Shining. Obviously kidding about the last three, but the rest are legit from their website. Uh, there's also an annual fee of $60 US. A pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. And you should take part in their five cosmic missions if you're serious about being a member. right? And what are cosmic missions? You may wonder, unenlightened turd. Operation... Pr- <laughs> I wish they did talk to people like that. Operation Prayer Power Charging Sessions. Pilgrimages to Holy Mountains like Mount Adams in New Hampshire. The Super Holy Mount, I guess. 12 blessings, services that produce the absent healing of those not present through dynamic prayer and mystic visualization. Divine services where you get to listen to some old audio tapes of Dr. King, not Martin Luther King, they're Dr. King, very different. Or have a minister, priest, or a bishop give a sermon based in aetherius books. And uh, attending hands on spiritual healing sessions where aetherius members heal your chakras and repair your dirty aura and stuff. Those are cosmic missions. Oh, and there's also a commemoration events uh, you, can, you should attend where you can show up in a white robe and you can wish Mother Earth a happy birthday and you can hum and, you can, I don't know, play hacky sack and pretend you can feel alien beings sending you good vibes and, you know, admire each other's crystals and things like that. <laughs> this religion has a YouTube channel that is, is not doing well. Currently, 3,490 subscribers and it's been around, <laughs> it's been over 10 years. Not many seem active. Videos generally get, you know, less than a thousand views. Nine months ago, this channel published a video called Messages from Space. The next master is coming. And only <laughs> and only about 600 people care. 608 views and a good eight of those are mine. It is claimed that this transmission was beamed from Mars, Sector 6. It is a recorded speech given by George King called Dr. George King. On September 14th, 1957, King received his doctorate from the International Theological Seminary of California, a degree mill with no accreditation, which means his doctorate has as much value as a crackerjack prize. So let's uh <laughs> let's let's find out the masters this coming. We are preparing
2: a ground preparing a platform for a one other planetary entity uh, to come among you.
0: How many people listen to this and just not immediately laugh? Maybe it's just because back then this stuff was like more new. <laughs> this is exactly like the 1950s like pulp sci-fi movie, uh, shitty, you know, sci-fi television show voice. Uh, there, please, Earthling Do not be afraid of us we, we mean you no harm We are from the planet Zelda And we will find you t- to be peaceful uh, We are hoping or we will use our laser guns To eradicate It's just, come on
2: When he does so, you will know When he does so, he will Adopt an approach, which is uh, quite different from the approach adopted by that master you
0: call Jesus. It feels like he's also just like, he didn't write this out ahead of time. He's <laughs> just like a lot of pauses, trying to think of what to say next. He will um, adopt an, an approach that is, you know, it's different than a lot, um, a lot of other approaches, like, uh, the, oh, the, like the the Jesus approach. This one is, um, it's better, you know? Just kind of keep it vague.
2: The next master will come as (laughs) a,
0: a great adept Who- why is he paused? like is the alien confused because this is supposed to be an alien giving him this message like a preposterously wise alien and he couldn't remember that they were called a great adept like the aliens like what are we again uh, and in the next master will be a uh a magician no a juggler no uh, hold on a, a, gr- a great uh caricature artist. no unicyclist wait Adept, yes will
2: lead the thinking men into the realms of
0: deeper metaphysics oh nice it's also also these things are kind of like mad lips where like everyone's I feel like they have like a little uh, cheat sheet. <laughs> Where it'll say like he has to maybe that's why he took him a pause. He, had, he has to glance down. There's like great adepts, uh metaphysics, uh, immortality, masters, and he just kind of babbles. and Then every once in a while, just looks down, interdimensional physics, and then like moves on. And there will also be a lot of looking down, telepathy. So you get it. It's uh, it goes on. Uh, you know, a couple more minutes doesn't get any better. Uh, comments below the video. Not worth repeating. <laughs> everyone, everyone loves it. That fucking garbage you just heard, that poorly thought out garbage. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, no, that's great. I, so thank you. Thank you for sharing this wisdom. I would, don't know what I would have fucking done without it. So that's the Aetherius Society. A good example of something classified as a UFO religion. I, it fucking blows my mind that what people get behind. There's also the Unarius Academy of Science founded in Los Angeles, California, 1954. Uh, Unary is an acronym for Universal Articulate Interdimensional Understanding of Science. Holy shit. So many big words. It must be true. This one, it has the word science in it. And words like interdimensional. So you know it's super smart. If you become a member, you're basically a scientist. Uh, excuse me. It was founded by husband and wife duo, Ernest and Ruth Norman. Ernest and subsequent alien channels and sub channels in this community, in this religion, sorry, uh, have written over a hundred books filled with channel, uh, channeled dissertations from alleged advanced intelligent beings that exist on higher frequency planes, right? And have existed since 1954. I don't know what they were doing before that. You can check out their website, unarius.org, where they offer ongoing past life therapy classes on Zoom on Saturdays, oh, excuse me, Sundays, and Wednesdays, Sundays and Wednesdays from 7 to 8.30 PM Pacific time. Uh, you can find out who 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 did you used to be? I'm guessing if you take one of these classes, I'm guessing you used to be a king or queen or a badass warrior or priestess or something. Someone very important. Uh, You definitely weren't just some forgettable peasant or fucking, you know, petty criminal. You weren't the the bread makers, idiot assistant. Uh, Really hard to figure out how to join this group poking around on their website. If you're really interested, you should probably talk to them face-to-face and you can do that. Head just east of San Diego, uh, visit their headquarters teaching center located at 145 South Magnolia Ave, El Cajon, California. I've been there since 1975. It's just down the street from a Golden Corral buffet. You can't miss it. It's a small building with a sign on the front that says, Unarius Academy of Science. It is basically the MIT of the West Coast. It's a prestigious laboratory. And people like it. Four and a half out of five stars on Google reviews. Paula Rich Greenwood gives it five stars, writing, Unarius is a metaphysical science of self-healing principles. (laughs) More Mad Libs. That involves reincarnation and interdimensional physics. The Anarius Center building is a beautiful teaching center. No, it's a fucking dump. I've looked at it. That looks like a cross between a Grecian temple—you've never been to Greece—and the Alexandrian Library. Mm-mm. A contemporary spiritual science. Okay, that's to walk into its doors is to be uplifted. One of the people working here wrote this in a spiritual transcendency that compares to being in the presence of Jesus, the Dalai Lama, or Buddha. Holy shit! I would have never guessed that walking to this small, just fucking dumpy as fuck building that hasn't been updated in any way since 1975, a stone's throw from a Panda Express was the equivalent of meeting Jesus. And, you know, it's like it's like a place where you can get unaccredited lessons in interdimensional physics. Sure, actual science types will tell you that kind of physics is made up. <laughs> but fuck those eggheads, because they're not talking to aliens. Uh, this group's YouTube channel uh, actually doing a little bit worse. <laughs> than the Ethereum Society channel. Only 2,400 subscribers for the Unarius Academy of Science. Oh, boy. Uh, Back in 1973, co-founder Ruth Norman changed her name to Uriel the Archangel. Of course she did. Uh, After she transformed into her higher self. Here's a short proclamation from Uriel. (laughs) This is even worse than the last video. Uh, This is posted on the Unarius YouTube channel back in 2017 called The Awakening of Humanity. 1774 people care. It's one of their most watched videos ever. Mm -hmm.
2: Now in the time of the awakening, now that we have our crystal mountain city, that we know we can receive all the healing and the light and all the help from the great brotherhood of the inner world, that now is the time of the awakening Mm -hmm. for all Earth people. Not only on this one Earth world, but on all the 33 confederation planets, is the mm-hmm. time of the awakening. <laughs> and what do we mean by this? This is the time that now, man of Earth mm-hmm. can be receptive okay. to the great healing powers, the light,
0: mm-hmm.
2: high frequency energies that have been brought in for many, many years. Thousands
0: of years. Oh, thank you for that great explanation. What what do you mean by the a great awakening of humanity? Well, now humanity is ready to receive uh, light transmissions from space people. <laughs> there you go. Run with that. you uh, proclaimed over and over for years that a highly evolved aliens would show up in her lifetime. Like for sure in her lifetime. Don't even worry about it. The Interplanetary Confederation would fucking show up on Earth, hundred percent, in a thirty-three vehicle space fleet from their thirty-three planets, and then the, those aliens—they were gonna um, reveal secrets and stuff. And they've never been real clear about what happens after the aliens land, but it's very important. So make sure that your chakras are aligned, and your aura needs to be clean. And we need—you know—clean ween, clean chakras, aura on on point. Don't vibrate too much. Don't vibrate too much. Don't vibrate not enough. God damn it! Uh, Uriel died in 1993. Uh, her followers, you know, still waiting on that space fleet. Uh, and there are others that Claude may have been familiar with when he met his aliens, who told him that he was a prophet. The prophet, when he thought, well, if these fucking idiots can build followings off <laughs> of that gabbly goop, uh, I, sh- I sure as shit can with mine. Um, like the Universal Industrial Church of the New World Comforter. <laughs> that sounds like a fucking weird sci-fi themed mattress store. Welcome to the Universal Industrial Church of the New World Comforter. We have pillow toppers, or what are they called? Mattress toppers. 30% off this week. Uh, This is a UFO religion founded in 1967 by Alan Michael. Uh, Less on this one. Michael claimed that in 1947, under his birth name of Alan Noonan, he was a sign painter in Long Beach, California, Uh, he was contacted by the great galactic being, manifesting itself as the Milky Way galaxy, maybe Nimrod, uh, asked him to serve as as, as its uh, spiritual comforter, <laughs> its, its spiritual mattress topper, and preach their supernatural truth to the world. At one point, these guys actually had a compound, San Francisco going, had dozens of dedicated followers, maybe even hundreds. Uh, Alan wrote seven different books, but then it all fizzled for some reason. By 2010, when Alan died at the age of 93, he was living in a house in San Francisco with four fucking dudes who were his last followers, guys in their 60s. Pretty sure that belief system all, all done now. And there've been a handful of other typically very small UFO-based religions or, or cults, depending on how you see it. Now, realism not alone in its subcategory of new religious movements. Okay, now that we've taken a brief tour of the world of UFO religions, let's, let's dig into what realism is about. Rayelism. R- R- go over its core teachings and practices before meeting the man who made all this shit up. I mean, was told all this by enlightened beings from outer space, the Elohim. Uh, Like so many new religious movements, UFO based or not, realism uh, mixes uh, religious and or spiritual teachings people already believe in with extra things uh, that they want their followers to believe in. That's the, you know, base coat and then the new coat. Uh, Like typically, most importantly, the divine authority of the founder. Most important tenet of realism is their idea of human creation. Basically, the aliens, the Elohim, they built us humans using some kind of super advanced human builder technology. In the documentary I watched, Prophet founder uh, Claude uh, said that, you know, they could build a perfect human out of a piece of sand, out of anything. Uh, Rail also stated that the word Elohim, which is used for God in the Old Testament and is sometimes used to describe just all creatures from the heavenly ethereal world in general, in religion, uh, actually a plural term, which translates as meaning those who came from the sky. These aliens are from a planet outside the solar system, but within our Milky Way. And there's about 90,000 of them. And they're quasi-immortal. And they can keep cloning themselves to keep living in fresh bodies, fucking Westworld style. Cloning is so important to the Raelians. Uh, These Elohim are physically smaller than humans, pale green skin, almond-shaped eyes, Asian features, and they fuck each other all the time. God, they love to fuck. And there's no sexual jealousy between them. So everyone can fuck everyone. Right, Guilfrey. Sex is something way more focused on in this branch of UFO religion than in any other I came across. Hey, Lucifina. And these Elohim are super feminine. Rael said that uh, most, that the most feminine woman on earth is only 10% as feminine as the Elohim. So like, yeah, they're green and they're a bit small, but also super hot chicks that have the same anatomy as us. Right, they have very perky green titties. Uh, actually, they are us, but from the future and also the past, the Elohim made us 25,000 years ago, uh, created seven different races of humans, modeling all of them right after themselves so you know we are a form of them and then uh, how they used to be and then somehow i guess they got smaller and possibly greener over time it gets harder to define them perfectly because rails definition of them has changed over the years they started off more like little green people and over time evolved more into like hot human asian women i wonder if uh if this is somehow related to the fact that now he surrounds himself with hot young female asian followers who have sex with him all the time i don't know could be coincidence Early on, creatively interpreting the book of Genesis, first book of the Hebrew Bible and the Christian Old Testament, Rayle said that the Elohim alien scientist responsible for creating humanity was named Yahweh. And that the first two humans, AKA biological robots he built, were named Adam and Eve. The Raelians believed that they were uh, originally, that there were originally a seven human races, uh, modeling the seven Elohim races, uh, but that the purple, blue and green races, unfortunately died out. So that's fucking bummer. I bet there were some super hot blue ladies. And Raelians believed that the Elohim themselves were created by an earlier species of alien and they before them ad infinitum, right? They believed, or in, infinitum, uh, they believed that the cosmos expands indefinitely both in time and space, infinitely being, uh, or, or excuse me, infinity being an important concept for them, right? Inside each atom is another universe and inside the atoms of that universe, uh, more atoms that have more universes forever, and we're inside the atom, inside another universe, and it gets that way, that direction, forever. As Raël says, everything is in everything. That's a great. That's a great new ag. <laughs> just what one of those meaningless terms that sounds very smart. Everything is in an everything. And you're like, oh man, I get stuck on this. Just, yeah, just fucking do your stretches. Do your stretches. Focus on your chakras. Everything is in everything. Uh, Raelians also believe that the accounts of gods and various mythologies around the world are mostly misinterpretations of memories about Elohim, right? The tale of Adam and Eve's expulsion from the Garden of Eden recounted in Genesis. Well, that's really, if you know how to read it, that's a story about humanity's difficult transition from uh, the Elohim laboratories to life on earth where they had to become self-sufficient. The resurrection of Jesus, well, that gospel tale is really about how the Elohim cloned Jesus obviously, to restore him to another life after death. Immortality is all about cloning. Who is Satan? Well, Satan, Naughty Pants, uh, chief of a group uh, on the Elohim's planet who were opposed to genetic experiments on Earth and who argued that humanity should be destroyed as a potential threat. Get out of here. No, devil. Uh-uh. Fuck you. To hell with space devil! devil. Uh Yeah, he was a fucking naughty alien guy. Uh, The Great Flood, that narrative actually recounts an attempt by the anti-human Satan aliens to wipe out humanity, but then humanity was rescued by an alien spacecraft, which was the real Noah's Ark. Every story is reinterpreted into aliens. Uh, And Ra'el hasn't just uh, reinterpreted Christianity and Judaism. All the other religions, misinterpretations of Elohim activity, right? Or just lies. Various figures who established or inspired all religions throughout human history, uh, Buddha, uh, Muhammad, Joseph Smith, all Elohim prophets. Raelians believe that there have been 39 prior prophets sent to humanity at various times to help them along. Each, right, believed to have revealed only the information to humanity that humanity was able to comprehend at that given time. Raelism emphasizes the idea of progressive truth. And Rael claims he is the 40th and, of course, final prophet. He's not some fucking intermediary chump prophet of the Elohim. He's the the headliner. He's the most important prophet. He was chosen because humanity is now sufficiently developed to understand all the truth about the Elohim. Uh, Rael uh, initially claimed that he was chosen for this role because he had a Roman Catholic mother and a Jewish father, and was thus an ideal link between two very important peoples in the history of the world. I'm pretty sure that they could have picked, you know, a lot of other people that fit the criteria. But he added that he was also selected because because he lived in France, <laughs> okay? Because the Elohim think that France is a more open-minded country than you know other countries. It's all making a lot of sense. Uh, Prophets, uh, all the prophets, including him, are the result of a human mother breeding with an Elohim dad. So just certain super hot moms. uh, Elohim, you know, they do value beauty very much, you know, superficial beauty. And these, these fucking MILFs, chosen for their purity of their genetic code, are beamed onto an Elohim spacecraft and given some sweet space dick. Which they enjoy very much, and then they return to Earth with the memory of the event erased. Not because they felt bad about the space dick, but they just don't. The, the Elohim don't want them to be, you know, uh, ostracized for being like alien obsessed nutjobs. In his 1979 New York Times bestseller, just kidding. Almost no one bought it. It was a book though. Uh, a 1979 book. Let's welcome our fathers from space. Rael wrote that he was the biological son of the same Elohim scientist who fathered Jesus. Yes, Yahweh. Yes, he is Jesus, his half-brother. God, come open your eyes. And Buddha's half-brother too. Fuck yeah. And Rael can telepathically contact his Elohim daddy whenever he wants to, right? He is to hear Yahweh's voice guide him into making only perfect decisions affecting Raelianism. This interesting religion also teaches that the Elohim continue to monitor every human individual on earth remotely from their planet. They're not, They're not just creepy spies. They're doing this. They want to decide, you know, if uh, each various individual merits being offered the opportunity of eternal life later. They're like a, it's like they're like they're Santa Claus, but with more serious stakes. All right. Are you in the naughty list and you get obliterated? Or are you on the good list and you get cloned? Elohim continue to visit the earth to check on us. And this is where uh, crop circles come from, if you didn't know. Uh, Raelians generally interpret sightings of UFOs as a confirmation of their belief in the Elohim or Elohim. However, they do not believe the claim of other alien abductees. Nope, liars. Only Rail is currently talking to the Elohim, so shut the fuck up, other alien talker dickhead people. Unless maybe you're talking to a race of, you know, not as cool as Elohim aliens. If you're talking to a dumb, just, you know, JV race of aliens, yeah, talk to them. But not the good ones. Uh, Rails believe that that, you know, everyone is capable of linking telepathically with Elohim. So I guess you can't, so you can't talk to, you just not, not physical, you cannot face to face. Only rail is permitted to meet with them face to face and sometimes fuck them, which he's claimed. We'll talk about that later. Uh, Or receive uh, important revelations. You can telepathically engage in small talk, but don't talk about important shit and do not stick your dick in them. That is only for the prophet rail. That's only for Jesus and rail, right? Stop it. Uh, Realism is also a, uh, a millenarian philosophy uh millenarian millenarian being the belief in a in a coming fundamental transformation of society after which all things will be changed rail claims that since the u.s military's use of the atomic bomb on hiroshima in 1945 humanity has been living in the age of apocalypse and we'll I'll get mentioned again later uh now the human species must uh, choose whether to use science and technology to enhance life or use it to bring about our nuclear annihilation if humans successfully get to this present age and we can get our fucking shit together by 2035 when the Elohim are destined to come back, if they don't come back earlier, uh, then some of us get to live in an era of advanced technology in which society will be tolerant and totally sexually liberated. All dicks will get sucked, all pussies get licked, but only for the people who get their shit together and totally believe all this supreme truth. Rail claims he is destined to help lead humanity. Right, away from its path of destruction towards this enlightenment. He wants all of the dicks and posters to get sucked in, Okay, guys? And if for some reason he can't do this by 2035, well, you know what happens? Well, we get fucking obliterated. Okay? And this particular Elohim experiment is over. Stakes could not be higher. Uh, according to Rail, we have to build a proper welcome back to Earth embassy for Elohim by 2035. Otherwise, they're just like, well, I guess they don't care enough for us to come back. And this embassy, it has to have a landing pad for their spaceship. And it needs to be located uh, on internationally recognized neutral territory. So as not to indicate favor towards any one particular nation state. That is not so that the Elohim uh, raelians can have their own little kind of country and avoid any kind of taxes. That's not what it's about at all. It's about what the aliens want. If and only these criteria are met, the Elohim will then share their advanced technology, cloning secrets, scientific understanding with humanity, and will usher in a utopia where we will never die and we will fuck so much, you guys. So come on, pull it together, please. Uh, there'll be a single world government that Rail terms a geniocracy. Haha, <laughs> See what he did there—combined genius and uh, you know, uh, cracy like democracy. A uh, rule of geniuses, where he discusses, uh, which he discusses in his fifth book titled "Geniocracy." His subtitle is "Government of the People for the People by the Geniuses." Okay, all right, I'm listening. Uh, the thresholds proposed by the Raelians in their geniocracy are that candidates who want to run for office have to be 50% above the mean for an electoral candidate in IQ and 10% above the mean to vote. So if the average, you know, IQ is 100, the lowest IQ a person could have to be a candidate is 150 and to vote would be 110. More than half of the US would not be allowed to vote today. And I got to say, I love it. I, I do like this idea a lot, actually. There will be no war in this new world. Uh, Crime will have been ended through genetic engineering. Humanity will be able to travel beyond the earth to colonize other planets. It's going to be a lot of fun. Robots, right? Ready for more fun. They're going to assume menial tasks, allowing humans to devote their time to pleasurable pursuits. There will be biological robots, which will serve us as sex slaves. Right? I told you all dicks sucked. All pussies licked. Uh, Money won't matter anymore. And we're all immortal. Those of us who get it at least. The Elohim will just, just erase everyone else. Uh, the Raelian motto is eternal life thanks to science. Cool. Uh, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be immortal, but we won't be immortal in a God way, right? Because Raylians, ex- uh, they reject the existence of a soul that survives physical death. The only hope for immortality is through science. The Elohim will clone and thus recreate dead individuals whom they feel merit this recreation. It will be done totally Westworld style. They can build a clone of you in seconds. Thanks to their super advanced clone computers, and and they're and right now they're recording our memories and DNA in all of us. Rail once expressed an interest in cloning uh, Hitler, right, and then bringing him back for some more trials. Mm-hmm. Yep, for some retroactive punishment. That's a good thing to do. All right, come on, guys, we're in our utopia now. Let's use it properly. Let's bring Hitler back. <laughs> Let's put him on trial you know, so we can kill him again. Uh, Rail uh, also mentioned cloning uh, as a solution to terrorism by suicide attacks. I don't know why that's going to be happening in the utopia. But when this cloning stuff is back, mm-mm, you don't get to go out that way. Nope, we, we bring you back, put you on trial. Uh, fuck yeah. You know, it sounds great. It all sounds very plausible. Cloud technology is really going to advance a lot going forward, apparently. So much storage. Uh, all of our memories constantly being saved. That would be so, so cool if some version of that is possible someday. It probably will be. Who knows? There's a lot to like here. Very little that's easy to believe, uh, but a lot to like. Uh, Rail also believes humanity is slowly transitioning into a society where humans won't, yeah, they won't need to work, Yeah, have jobs, uh-huh, no work, always having a fresh body, sex slaves, got it. Come on, AI and robotic scientists, hurry it up! I only have 40, 50 years left, tops. Uh, Rail says we won't have to work thanks to human technological advancement, right? We shouldn't work because humans are not made to work, he says. Uh, he stated that work is for machines, humans are made to create, think, enrich themselves, you know, fuck, etc. cetera. Much of Rail's advocacy concerning futuristic technology is described in his 2001 uh, runaway bestseller, orgis book, Yes to Human Cloning. He supports human genetic engineering, so no one has diseases or disabilities. That's very nice of him. He thinks that nanotechnology will eventually make it possible to have micro-distributive power generation, essentially a power plant in each house, uh, fur-like furnishings where the little hair-like fibers clean themselves. That's good. And all food will be grown in machines in our houses via molecular construction. Right? And that same machine? Oh, it doesn't just make food. It can make biological robots that you can fuck. He supports everything that's good and cool. Is something good? Is it also cool? He's, he's in favor. Does he have a clue how to create any of this? No. Not at all. But for it. So what do Raelians actually do other than talk about how cool all this stuff would be? Uh, what are their religious practices? Well, the major initiation, right, in the Raelian church is the baptism or transmission of the cellular plan. Enacted by upper-level members in the Raelian clergy, bishops and priests, who can work as transmission guides. Canadian sociologist Susan J. Palmer says that in 1979, Rael introduced the Act of Apostasy as an obligation for those preparing for their Raelian baptism. Denounce your God, or gods, atheists only. Atheists who believe in aliens that are a lot like gods. Uh, Joining the Raelian church through transmission of the cellular plan happens uh, only on four different days of the year. Right? The four big dates. Marking important anniversaries in the Raelian calendar. Yes, they have their own calendar. The Raelian calendar begins with the nuclear bombing of Hiroshima, right? August 6, 1945, uh, each year after this date referred to as AH, after Hiroshima, right? We are now, as I said earlier, in the Apocalypse Age. Uh, the Raelian baptism, known as transmission again of the cellular plan, where cellular refers to the organic cells of the body and plan refers to the genetic makeup of the individual. The Raelian baptism involves a guide member laying water onto the forehead of a new member. This practice began on the first Sunday in April of 1976 when Rayl baptized 40 Raylians. Obviously, this is borrowed from his Catholic upbringing. Uh, Raylians believe that this baptism links them to their genetic information that's being stored by a remote computer that will become recognized during their final hour when they're judged by the extraterrestrial Elohim. These guys suck at being atheists. They just, <laughs> they just mirror uh, Christianity, but th- call it aliens instead of gods. Uh, another part of their practice, a lot of fucking. Mostly of Rail, Rail has recruited his hottest women followers into what he calls Rail's Order of Angels—beautiful women of all races who work to either fulfill Rail's sexual desires, just hang around and be sexy assistants to Rail, or save themselves exclusively, uh, you know, for sex with the Elohim when they return to Earth. Those are called Pink Angels. There's only six of them. They take vows to remain virginal for their alien gods, except Rail can have sex with them because he's a direct descendant of Elohim God right? Yahweh. But they're not a sex cult, you guys. No, 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 they're not. They just want sexual liberty for all. Adult, consensual, sexual gratification, mostly for their leader. Uh, Rails actually are very LGBTQ plus friendly. Uh, They encourage adult, homosexual, bisexual, heterosexual relationships, uh, believe that society should recognize them legally. According to Rail, if we sexually experimented more, uh, we'd all be a lot more sexually fulfilled, too interested in, uh, you know, coming, to keep fighting wars, be mad at each other all the time. I mean, yeah, I guess if we all subscribe to that, uh, sure, maybe. Sounds nice. Also very pro-transsexuality. All the sexualities, except for pedophilia, they're for all of them. And, and, I, and I don't think they're for uh, bestiality. Activism, uh, a big part of Raelian practices and worldview. They're trying to make the world better so that the Elohim want to come back by 2035. Raelians routinely advocate for things like sex-positive feminism, genetically modified food, uh, actively protest against wars, uh, protest the Catholic church, right? Too sexually repressive, too much kid uh, Most of their activism seems to be carried out by topless or even fully nude attractive female mom- members or, or women with just pasties on. Okay, all right, hey, I'm listening. Uh, this is done to raise awareness for gender equality and to take shame and stigma away from female nudity and also, you know, just because people love uh, sweet titties. Uh, Several railing groups in the U.S. have organized annual protests claiming that women should have the same legal right to go topless in public that men enjoy without fear of arrest for indecent exposure. Some have called this a publicity stunt designed to recruit members. Probably works. Go Topless Day, one of their annual events with women protesting topless except for nipple pasties to avoid arrests, held uh, near August 26th, the anniversary of the day women were given uh, the right to vote in the U.S., last year, August 22nd. Another thing I do like about him, actually, is letting uh, women uh, whip their tits out in public going to destroy American society like some people seem to think? Is civilization really just hanging on by a fucking thread that thin, just a bra thread? If unraveled, we're all just going to devolve into monkeys fucking in the middle of the street? Or could we maybe learn to control our sexual urges around those of us who don't wish to be clothed? Maybe that will be a really good thing, right? Maybe learn some more sexual restraint. And also, pretty fun to look at. raeliance uh, they want to do some good female sexual empowerment work. Uh, they actually have done some. For a while, they had a program called Clitorade, which I know sounds like a fucking shitty type of Gatorade. Gatorade that tastes like vagina. Uh, not sure that's the best flavor for you know a hydrating beverage. But Clitorade was actually a little hospital in the Western African nation of Burkina Faso that gave women free surgery to repair their mutilated clitorises uh, due to the barbaric practice of female genital mutilation that still happens there, thanks to some uh, Muslim extremists there. The group also touts a happiness academy to help brighten the lives of their followers who claims that 100,000 people have attended the courses and, and they claim that 100,000 people have attended the courses in over 40 years. Uh, how many people are into all this? According to the president of the North American Raelians, there are around 130,000 members in 80 to 90 countries, but they could be fluffing that up a lot. Some people think that most of these members don't actually give the organization any money or show up at really any events. You know, they just think it's cool. Maybe they signed up with a website one time. Maybe it's a joke. Maybe they're drunk. No one knows how many serious members there are. Uh, I would guess a few thousand tops. There are chapters all over the planet. Most of them seem just to be a a handful of believers. Maybe they have more than I'm willing to give them credit for. In uh, 1997, Chicago Times estimated 20,000 members worldwide. Estimates from 1995 show that there were perhaps 4,000 followers in Japan, 4,000 in Quebec, uh, Canada, and 10,000 in Europe. Miami Herald published their estimates that there were 50 Raelians in Miami and somewhere around 600 in the U.S. in 1996. 2002 estimated that 5,000 South Koreans had fallen uh, for Raelianism. And in 2003, Japan's number supposedly grown to 6,000 followers. And by 20 uh, or 2003, the U.S. thought to have over 1,000 followers. But an internal document from 2017 came out from the international Raelian movement that showed there were 18,101 members worldwide total. Uh, what does one have to do to sign up? Well, you have to message them on rail.org. I did not do that because I don't want them to be bugging me. Uh, The doc I watched said that basically anyone who wants to join gets to and you don't even have to buy anything, right? You're encouraged to tithe 10% of your income, but most members do not. So who knows how dedicated those 18,111 people are. From what I've watched, it seems like uh, they mostly survive thanks to a few very wealthy members donating a lot of money. Uh, One more thing to discuss before the timeline. And where we'll learn a little bit more about them and go over some of these things again as well. Uh, their controversial symbol. This is, not, this is not a great logo choice. The Raelian symbol is a swastika inside the Star of David. Everyone knows those two symbols are the peanut butter and jelly of symbols. Uh, I would say this symbol has, you know, severely hurt recruiting efforts. Why did Rayle pick it? Well, in a 2008 interview he gave in Las Vegas, he said, the symbol is the oldest symbol on earth. You have it, you know, in the Tibetan temple, Buddhist temple, uh, Hindu people. I can say more than a billion people on earth pray in temples where you have a swastika every day. And the very symbol which makes the Star of David in swastika uh, is in the Tibetan Book of the Dead. So it's a very old symbol. And of course, we have nothing to do. It has nothing to do with Nazis. Uh, still think maybe you could have picked something better. Uh, almost any other symbol would be better. On their website, the Raelians explain that their connection with the swastika even further, saying... The swastika predates Hitler by thousands of years. It was used as a symbol of good fortune before Hitler hijacked it. Uh, I mean, the word swastika, I mean, they're right. The word swastika does come from an ancient Sanskrit word for good fortune, well-being. They continue, embedded in the Star of David, it's the oldest symbol known to mankind and is the symbol of the Elohim, our creators. It represents infinity in time, swastika, and space. Star of David. Well, with their 25,000 years of scientific advance on us, Elohim were able to scientifically prove that the universe was infinite in time as represented by the swastika where time is inversely proportional to mass and space, macro and microcosm as represented by the star of David with both triangles pointed in opposite directions as above, so below. Okay. And then they linked to a website called proswastika.org which I didn't want in my search history. Some of this is true, right? The uh, swastika, old as fuck, 7,000 years at least. And the world, yeah, used to love it until Hitler. Still maybe could have chose something uh, else though since this group started, you know, well after World War II. Okay, all right. Now that we have a bit of understanding of who the Raelians are, what kind of world they come from, uh, religion-wise, let's let's make their profit in today's Time Suck Timeline after today's mid-show sponsor break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you suddenly had an extra hour show up in your day every day, what would you do with it? Work out? Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. That's rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. Rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. I still love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but I'd stopped eating them almost entirely a while back because the bread on top of the sugar from the jelly made me so sleepy. All those carbs causing me to want to take a nap after eating them. Enter Hero Bread. Hero Bread takes the fear of carbs out of bread, but still leaves you with that delicious bread taste. Hero Bread has 0 to 1 gram of net carbs, 0 grams of sugar, and it's high in fiber. It's also delicious and flavorful. The soft, fluffy experience you love when enjoying a savory breakfast burrito or mouth-watering cheeseburger. There is something for every craving, including sliced bread loaves, buns, and tortillas. And there are monthly small batch drops of indulgent favorites, like the 2 grams of Net Carbs Hero Croissant or the 1 gram of Net Carbs Hero Cheddar Biscuit. I had a loaf of Hero Classic White Bread delivered last week. Soft, fluffy, and delicious. 5 grams of protein per slice, and it's high in fiber. And the best part? Hero Bread doesn't taste healthy. It tastes like bread. It's great. Don't give up on being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use code TIMESUCK at checkout. That's TIMESUCK at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Thanks for not going anywhere. Uh, meet Sacks. now it's time to meet the man behind the sexy aliens.
2: Strap on those boots, soldier. We're marching down a timesuck timeline.
0: On September 30th, 1946, Claude Maurice Marcel Vorion was uh, brought into the world near the small city of Vichy, population just over 25,000 in central France. But that's not the day that Claude, now known as Rail, celebrates. Claude believes that his birthday is way less important than his conception day, which he calculates was Christmas Day 1945. Conception day, in the eyes of a Railian, is your true birthday. When exactly Did your dad come into your mom's vagina? That's what you should be thinking about once a year. And Claude believes it was no accident that he was conceived on his half-brother Jesus' birthday. It was his destiny. Uh, According to Rail. his biological father, you know, very important aliens we went over. According to our earth records, Claude born to a human Jewish man of unknown name. There's almost no information on many of the people in Claude's life before he became Rail. We just have his story. And he says he was raised by three powerful women. His mother his grandmother, and Betty White. No, and his aunt. It'd be weird. Not many people from his hometown uh, who knew him before he became a prophet seemed uh, really willing to talk about him uh, after he became a prophet. Almost always declined interviews. That might be because one old friend did tell a journalist that Claude told him right after he founded his new religion, that old Claude made all that shit up. And then that guy got sued for defamation. And Claude won the lawsuit somehow, and most people have been pretty quiet ever since. Claude says he didn't know his human father, only that he was Jewish, and that he was raised in Amber, in the home of his maternal grandmother, who was atheist along with his mother, who is described as a devout atheist. Amber, a town of about uh, 6,085 kilometers or 53 miles south of Vichy. In one of his books, Intelligent Design, their website sells uh, six of his books, Claude writes, My birth was an accident, as it were, at least for the little town of Amber, which is so devoutly Catholic that it is known as the world capital of rosary. And there is a large factory there that makes rosaries. Uh, He wrote that his birth was concealed as much as possible, not in a cave, but in a clinic at nearby Vichy. My poor mother tried for quite a long while to pass me off as the son of a friend she was taking care of for a while to her father, who even though he held it against her when he learned the truth, proved to be the nicest of grandfathers to me during the short time I knew him. Sadly, he died when I was still a very young child. He wrote that he was small and not very athletic and was often bullied. Perfect for a future fake prophet. He was a kid who was always chosen last in every sport, adding, Personally, I did not enjoy playing with the others, preferring to contemplate insects and look at books. At that time, what mattered most to me were animals, which I loved to draw all day long when I was not organizing snail races. I was fascinated by animal life, and I dreamt then only of becoming an explorer so as to be able to get near the mysterious fauna of the virgin forests. Uh, Nine years old, Claude says everything changed for him. He figured out how to shoot lasers out of his hands and how to teleport to anywhere or when in the space-time continuum. Or, he discovered his true passion, speed. He loved anything on wheels, with or without an engine. He started off riding downhill on a bike with almost no brakes. Uh, He said to liven things up, I'd position myself at the top of a hill, wait for a fast car to pass by. Then I would launch into dizzying pursuit, catch up with the car and pass it to the driver's great surprise. And once at the bottom of the hill, I would turn and go back to wait to the top for another car. A few months later, I found myself a uh, chance attending the Tour de France motor race. And it was love at first sight. He says that is what, uh, what inspired him to want to become a race car driver. And another source, Claude has a slightly different story, a uh, slightly different story about what inspired him saying that, you know, one day school, put on a soapbox derby where he actually emerges the winner. Uh, that gave him the confidence and, you know, inspired him to become a race car driver. Either way, dude wanted to be a race car driver. He would write, from that day on, my life was centered only around motor racing. Nothing else interested me. And I did not see the point of learning all they taught me at school since I was going to be a racing driver. Children's comics were replaced by serious motor magazines and I impatiently began counting off the years that separated me from the age when I could obtain a driver's license. Uh, his mother didn't buy the uh, no school phase or something was going through. So she sent him to a boarding school. He then attended a Catholic boarding school, the Notre Dame de France in La Puy de Valais, hours drive south of Ampère. I uh, said his mother was hoping that if he didn't have access to racing magazines, that uh, he'd straighten up and, and fly right. He hated his new school. He was homesick. He said, I remember many nights crying in a huge dormitory. But then he discovered poetry. Yes, poetry. Writing, I'd always been more attracted to literature than to mathematics, although only as an interested and passive reader. Then came the dire, the need to write in verse if possible. I even wrote an entire collection of poems and won first prize in a poetry competition. While at the Catholic boarding school, he caused a scandal by taking part in communion for six months without being baptized. Oh my God, I should have killed him. Now, he also says that uh, he was nine years old when he went through puberty, saying, I enjoyed it very much. (laughs) And discovering unknown and secret pleasures, which no other nine-year-old in the dormitory seemed yet to know about, was some consolation for my incomplete solitude. So he was horny at a very young age. He's 75 now and still seems very horny. I think this horniness has been the primary motivating factor for him to create uh, the religion he did. His grades improved in boarding school, and his mother withdrew him and put him back in school in Amber. But then he got so interested in some girl, his age named Bridget, little girl, this little horn dog's grade slipped. And the next year he was uh, back in a boarding school. This time, the small village of uh, Cunha or Cunha. I don't know. There's no pronunciation, guys. It's a tiny village. Just half an hour down the road from Ambera. He says the school here was worse than the one at uh, Puiv and Valais, writing, we were all crammed into a tiny, tiny dormitory that was barely heated. And worst of all, there was virtually no discipline. So the biggest and strongest boys enforced their own law. I think that's where I developed such a hatred of violence. One day he couldn't take it anymore and he ran away. He said no one noticed at first. I don't know, sad, he didn't have a lot of friends. By the time he was discovered by his principal, he had walked 10 of the roughly 30 kilometers to his mother's house. He was now kicked out, sent back to school at Amber, where he could see his little girlfriend Bridget again. He started to skip school more and more shortly after he uh, returned home to avoid the priests who were hell bent on having him baptized, he said. But his devoutly Catholic mother decided she was going to let Claude decide for himself if he wanted to be baptized or not. At this point, almost as a teenager, or almost a teenager now, he, uh, he wants to become a garage mechanic, knowing that's important to racing. But his mom, not about to let him fuck off with his studies. She wants him to be an engineer. He rebels against his studies by brooding around, writing poetry, instead of going to school. At the age of 14, he's sent back to boarding school again, this time in Mont-Door. Last stop kind of school, two-hour drive west of Amber, that took kids that no one else would take. He wrote, I found myself in the company of a fairly interesting collection of dunces and hard cases. It was one of the latter, a typical boarding school big shot, who ended up being responsible for the direction I took during the next ten years of my life. His name was Jacques, and he played the electric guitar, which quite impressed me. As soon as the Christmas holidays came, I got my grandmother to buy me a magnificent guitar, and Jacques taught me a few chords. And I started setting my poems to music and noticed that it was apparently very pleasing to those who listened. As soon as the summer holidays came, I began to enter some radio singing contests, which I almost always won. He's a fucking winner, you guys. Uh, we couldn't find evidence of any of these victories, but he really would become a professional musician later. And there's plenty of evidence for that. So, you know, I buy it. He, uh, he would write that women started to notice him now that he was singing, hiding his shyness behind a guitar. And because almost all he thought about was girls, the guitar now becomes very important to him. Race car dreams can wait a few years. At the age of 15, 1961, Claude makes a big choice. He writes, one day I took my guitar under my arm along with a small suitcase, said farewell to the boarding school with its uninteresting studies and hitchhiked to Paris. I had 2,000 francs in my pocket, a heart full of hope. At last, I was going to earn my own living, save up enough money to take my driving test at the age of 18 and become a racing driver. He said uh, he lost all his money, though before he learned he could uh, earn a coin by playing music on the street. Then he did that. He was a busker for three years. Uh, Eventually uh, worked up into playing in cafes, cabarets. Another guy who wanted to be a rock star who ended up becoming a prophet, having sex with his followers. Oh boy. Charles Manson, Dave Koresh, Father Yod, uh, Tony Alamo, uh, and now Claude Vaudillon. He slept anywhere and would often uh, have to pay more money to get a gig than the gig paid, he said. But he's, he's romanticized this. This is him again writing all this. Uh, we do know he gave himself the name of Claude Seller. Uh, had a passion for the songs of Belgian singer Jacques Brel tried to imitate his singing style, writing, I began to win a lot of radio contests and by singing in several cabarets, I was able to live reasonably well. And more importantly, to save up enough money to take my driving test at exactly 18 as planned. He was still pursuing the racing dream while moonlighting as a budding pop star. First, I had to make a name for myself in the hope of being hired by a major company. And for that, I needed to have a competition car, participate in some races independently, and if possible, win them. A racing car is very expensive, and I had to continue saving in the hopes of acquiring such a vehicle. I continued with my singing and trying to put some money aside. Many writer-composer friends had made recordings and seemed to be making a lot of money from them. So I decided to try it, having by now more than 150 songs in my bag. The first recording firm that I approached offered me a three-year contract, which I signed. The director of the recording firm was Lucien Maurice, a director of the radio station Europe Number no. 1, which had launched a tremendous number of famous singers. My first record was fairly successful, and the second, thanks to a song called Le Miel et la Quinelle, I don't know if I'm saying that part right, but it's Honey and Cinnamon, uh, was even more popular. It was often heard on the radio. But singing wasn't going to be for him, not professionally for very long, although he says he was selected to be in a big song contest called The Golden Rose of Antibes, uh, Maurice. Came to him one day, his mentor, and said he was going to withdraw him from the contest. Claude believes, in retrospect, that was because his alien guides didn't want him to focus so much on music. Don't become a famous artist. We need you for something else. Or it was because other musicians were better at music than him. More popular, or that. Uh, here's a song. You can decide how uh, good for your uh, uh, his, he is for yourself. Here's a song of Claude's from 1967. Little Diddy seems to have gotten some French radio play. The title translated to English is interesting. Sir, your wife is cheating on me. croisé Monsieur, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was just a flute back there but I thought it was a slide whistle for a second I was like oh that's great so I don't know I guess he's pretty good I have no perspective on this because uh, I don't fucking listen to this kind of music 60s French folk pop Yeah, it's not a genre I gravitate towards often uh, not long after he dropped that hot track Claude was married to his first wife Maury Paul Maury uh, Maury Maury Marie, uh, according to Claude, they would not leave each other's sides, uh, you know, for many years after the day they met. Uh, Claude wrote that Marie's parents uh, forced the two to get legally married after being together only three months because they declared they would never get married religiously. Her family was very old-fashioned, he wrote, and at first I had prayed with them before meals. They would go on to have two children together, their daughter, Aurore and their son, Ramuel. Claude never mentioned, uh, I, uh, you know, either in the documentary I watched, uh, uh, you know, either kid, Seems as if he became quite the absent father, like so many so-called prophets seem to do. Uh, Marie, was, Marie was interviewed in 2003 in which she was described as trembling with loathing at the mention of rail. So they didn't part on good terms. She says that Claude abused and brainwashed his own family, ruined her and the two children's lives. They were so young and innocent, she said, they should have never been exposed to the debauched and wicked things that went on in our home. Uh, she's talking about a lifestyle of nudity and orgies that is to come soon, but not yet. Claude hadn't figured out yet how to become Mr. Famous Prophet. All these people are lucky to sleep with me, this God guy yet. Uh, And the kids wouldn't be born for a couple more years. September of 1970, uh, Lucien Maurice, the radio station Europe number 1, music director, his mentor, biggest musical supporter, complete suicide, and bye-bye to his music career. Claude said he now knew he was not going to make enough money singing to buy his way into the racing world. Still a dream of his, so he searched for something else that would. First took a job with the company he sang for. And according to uh, according to him, I found myself back in Bordeaux where I was a commercial agent in charge of 15 regions. I stayed there for a year, then left when I last had enough money to buy myself a competition car. I just had time to break that car in before a friend uh, got into an accident. Dang it. Then a wealthy friend of his offered to finance another Claude Seller record. So they did that, but it wasn't a hit. Spent another year living off his poetry somehow. Never disclosed exactly how he pulled that off. Remember, this is just him telling the story. Uh, And then he had another major life change, writing, on a very tiring tour, I fell asleep at the wheel of my car, struck a wall head on at about 100 kilometers per hour, 60 miles per hour. More than 10 people had already died at that spot. I came out of it with several fractures, but alive. I was immobilized for three months or more, and my savings ran out. I was still not racing. I, who had dreamt of starting out at 18, had still not entered a single race. He's 25 or 26 now. Uh, he was pissed at himself, felt he didn't know any more about how to be a race car driver than the excited droves of kids that all wanted to be racers that lined up at the racetrack. But then he figured something out. He could write. He would become a race journalist and speak to those kids and figure uh, a different way into the sport. So he tried contacting a bunch of racing magazines, but uh, no one was hiring. He wrote, I noticed a small advertisement then in the motor section of Le Equip uh, from someone looking for photographer reporters. No experience required. I wrote, the advertiser replied saying that my application had been considered but I had to send 150 francs for administrative costs. In exchange, I would receive some film to make a test report on a subject of my choice. I sent the money, got back the film, wrote the report. His report was about auto racing, of course. Uh, he received a call from what he thought was the head of a publishing company uh, that, he placed, uh, that placed the advertisement. The man seemed interested in his ideas about the creation of a sports car magazine intended for young people uh, you know, who hoped to become race car drivers. Offered Claude the job as editor-in-chief of this new auto magazine. Showed him the factory that he was buying to a house, the printing office in Dijon. Claude thought all this, you know, this is fucking great. He's going to cover races. He's going to participate in them. Uh, he's going to run his new partner's race competition department. Uh, this is the answer to all his, you know, uh, prayers. Week after the phone call, Marie and Claude, they moved from Paris to Dijon, a four-hour drive away in Southeast France. But the move did not work out as planned. Turned out that the head of the publishing company, who was supposed to be a rich guy, was actually a guy who just got out of prison and had no money. He scammed upwards of 500 people like Claude from anywhere uh, between 150 and 300 francs. He wrote, I had worked two months for nothing, found myself full of ideas, but penniless. This time I decided to make a start alone in the great world of publishing. I moved to Clermont-Ferrand, a city of about 150,000 near where he grew up, uh, close to my mother, who was then looking forward to becoming a grandparent very soon and started my own publishing house to produce a magazine my own way. This magazine was soon born thanks to a printer who also loved sports cars and who agreed to take the risk of extending me credit, though I could not give him any form of guarantee. Uh, In his book, he writes that the magazine was called Autopop. It quickly took off and soon became one of the leaders in that field. At the same time, he started to race, test drive, new models of race cars. He was fucking loving it. He goes, at last, my dream was becoming a reality. And what is more, I found from the start that I was a gifted competition driver gaining many victories with cars that were unfamiliar to me. And no one has been able to verify that he won any races, but uh, who knows? Uh, For three years, he lived like this. But then in the winter of 1973, everything changed again. He would meet a little four-foot green alien with long, dark hair. Fuck yes, about time we reconnect with aliens. The Raelian website describes this monumental, earth-shattering event as follows. At the age of 27, on the morning of December 13th, 1973, while he was still running his successful racing car magazine, Rayle had an extraordinary encounter with a human being from another planet at a volcano park in the center of France known as Puy du Lasolas. This extraterrestrial gave him a new detailed explanation of our origins and information on how to organize our future, as recorded in the book Intelligent Design, which you can purchase here. After six consecutive meetings in the same location, Rayle accepted the mission given to him to inform humanity of this revolutionary message and to prepare mankind for to welcome their creators, the Elohim, without any mysticism or fear, but as conscious and grateful human beings. orrell describes the incident in multiple books and it is as cliche as it gets. Between December 13th, 18th, uh, the familiar Elo- Eloha, his term for the single form of uh, Elohim, showed him the symbol of his future cult, right? The very tasteful Nazi-Jewish hybrid logo, which apparently was engraved on the alien spaceship and emblazoned on his spacesuit, Yahweh the alien, Jesus' dad, then told Claude it meant as above, so below, right? Very common, popular occult saying. Yahweh gave materialistic explanations of the Garden of Eden, a large uh, laboratory that was based on an artificially constructed continent, as well as Noah's Ark, a spaceship, you know, that preserved DNA vials used to resurrect animals through cloning. Uh, they talked about the Tower of Babel, which was really a rocket that was supposed to reach the Creator's planet. Uh, talked about the Great Flood byproduct of a nuclear missile explosion that some you know other Satan Elohim sent. Uh, after tidal wave uh, floods, following the explosions receded, the Elohim uh, scattered the Israelites, had them speak uh, the language of other tribes. December 18th, 1973, Claude meets Yahweh for the last time that year on a Tuesday. On that day, Claude is given the name of the religious movement he is supposed to establish, his new name, Rail, also given. He said means messenger of those who come from the sky. Uh, They tell him that after humans dropped the atomic bomb in 1945, humanity had entered the apocalypse age and that we had a choice now of either entering the scientific golden age or we could become extinct. Cloud was instructed to form a group to help humanity avoid the latter option, right? And this group is called MADEC, M-A-D-E-C-H, an acronym with letters that stand for French words that translate to movement for welcoming the Elohim creators of humanity also stands for other French words. That translates to Moses preceded Elijah and the Christ. It is a double acronym. That's how fucking powerful it is. That's how you know this new organization is legit. Yahweh the alien presents uh, Claude uh, new commandments on that Tuesday. uh, Concerning the establishment of the geneocracy, uh, economic humanitarianism, world government. uh, His mission to catalyze these endeavors and to hasten the return of the Elohim to earth. You know, he's given all this stuff according to uh, uh, realism, mythology, after a few months considering this huge task, telling the world about the Elohim, Cla- uh, Claude almost developed a stomach ulcer before finally deciding to give up his much-loved career as a very successful sports car journalist and race car driver and devote himself fully to the task assigned to him by Yahweh, his extraterrestrial dad. Right? And how fun is this? Right? right? He, he gets his fucking mission from his space daddy. How cool from him? He's told that he's the most important person in the world in the history of humanity, and he gets to meet his dad. And at least one important part of the story is definitely bullshit. A lot of evidence that his magazine, uh, Autopop, had actually gone bankrupt. He had to close it because car racing in France was temporarily canceled earlier that year due to an oil shortage. There was an oil crisis in France in 1973. The prime minister, Pierre Mesmer, suspended all auto racing, leaving Claude with nothing to report on. So the 27-year-old with two kids uh, was out of a job again. Then before his visitations, he'd been out to dinner with some friends, according to one of those friends who would talk to a magazine, you know, journal or author later, and the subject of extraterrestrials came up. Several reports of UFO sightings have been written up in the local papers of central France recently, right? This all makes me think of that quote, necessity is the mother of invention. Another twist on that. Desperation is the mother of invention. Claude was desperate and needed a new revenue stream. He'd already tried being a pop star and being a race car driver, no dice. So now he becomes a prophet. Uh, At the dinner, Claude uh, went on about how badly he wanted to meet extraterrestrials. And then, a few months later, he does claim to meet them. Uh, How convenient, right? Uh, About fell over my chair there. I got excited, moved around too much. Uh, (laughs) There is also some evidence that shows that Claude was way into books by Zechariah Sitchin and Eric Von Daniken about ancient aliens seeding humanity. And that uh, he had also read a French sci-fi comic book at a friend's house that basically described his experiences that he would claim he had with the Elohim almost exactly. So a bit suspicious, right? A lot of uh, uh, people, you know, uh, have accused him of plagiarism. We met both Stitchin and Danikin in the Ancient Aliens and Ancient Sumerians Suck that uh, episode two fifty five. After his alleged series of encounters, Claude decides to take his notes to a publisher. After not getting a satisfactory reply, he asked for his manuscript back. But then he's offered a spot on a popular TV show at that time called Great Chessboard, presented by Jacques Chantel. He was the director of a book series at the publishing house that had received his manuscript. He expressed a liking for the script, uh, whether uh, anyone believed it or not, Claude recalled. So the newly Christian Ryle tells his story now to a TV audience. While the guests in the audience did laugh quite a bit, uh, lots of letters were written in making fun of poor Claude, who was just trying to save the world. Oh my God. He didn't ask to be new Jesus. Alien daddy told him it was his job, cut him some slack. Uh, Some people thought he was speaking the truth. Why? Well, because some people are crazy. We know that. Uh, Also, the ancient alien theory happened to be very popular in France this time. People wanted to believe this shit. So this appearance gives Claude confidence in the document he's produced, which would now become his first book, The Book, Which Tells the Truth. How do you know that a book is true when it says it in the title? According to Claude, his wife offered to leave her stable nursing job to help him publish his exceptional document. Everyone's fucking pumped. Uh, Claude's new movement first takes off thanks to this uh, uh, thanks to a 1974 conference in Paris he arranged after his TV appearance. He hosted roughly 2,000 people, preached what he learned from his alien encounter, used his publishing skills to advertise a super cool Only We Can Save the World event, and it works. His timely messages of world peace, well-received. Uh, Rail tells his new followers that the world is sick. Right, it's his job to help heal it, to purify it. He's very important. And jumping a bit ahead here to preview what's to come, uh, Rail will soon learn that nothing sells better than sex. Hey, Lusafina, uh, Claude will tell his new followers that the days of fucking to have kids is over. Days of childhood are over. Full-grown clones can be quickly built in this great future paradise, right? Because parenting's tiresome. Fucking for fun is so much better. Come on, let's just have fun, everyone. Touch my dick real quick. Do you want to save the world or not? Put it in my mouth, at least a tip. We have to stop war and evolve peacefully so the Elohim will usher in a wondrous new age. Let me stick it in at least two or three holes. I can't focus on being a prophet if I'm so horny. Come on, just take off your shirt. Uh, He taught followers that sex uh, would only be for pleasure, not procreation, in the new world order that the Elohim could make for us. Designer cloning, going to eliminate the need for traditional childbearing. Also in the new world, the anatomical differences between men and women are going to be, uh, you know, just for sexual pleasure. But otherwise, gender is irrelevant, right? Dick, pussy, it doesn't matter. There's no patriarchy, no matriarchy. It's just different forms of fun. Our rail taught sex unity or erotic plurality between and among all genders. Let's all rub our parts all over one another in and out of every hole. To quote Betty White from last week, everyone's getting drilled. All holes must be filled. Uh, His followers planned frequent seminars where uh, Raelians would abandon their preconceived sexual preferences and monogamous boundaries. Uh, There are rumors, lots of rumors, that these seminars were, you know, basically just orgies, right? Stretching one's libido was labeled as an intellectual exercise for Raelians, thought to replenish brain cells, practice self-actualization, potentially even communicate with the Elohim directly. Sexual meditation would become a core element of the religion. Hail Lucifer, so much fucking. Raelism is mostly about fucking. Uh, despite a professed indifference to gender, Raylian uh, women were upheld as enlightened lovers and playthings. Uh, thus, often dressed seductively, flirted openly. Rail encouraged male followers to be more like women, actually cultivate feminine qualities. Rail himself uh, tried to become more soft-spoken, effeminate. Uh, you know, dancing, singing at events, dressed in flowing clothes, long hair wrapped into a man bun, which he said acted as antenna, as an antenna to commune with alien beings. So that's what man buns do. But all this uh, really won't get going for a few more years. Not until he sees the aliens again. His second encounter, oh, whew, much more exciting. Right now, in the very beginning, Rail is working hard to establish MADEC. By December 13th, 1974, 170 MADEC members are forming an organization of a president, treasurer, secretary, more officers. Uh, everybody signs over 10,000 franc checks payable towards the publication of the first Railian book. It's working. He's making money. Susan Palmer, Canadian sociologist, expert on world, uh, weird religions, uh, we met her earlier, has written that in UFO platform societies like thematic organization, uh, there was no obligation of membership and commitment like those found in cults, but rather an open place where people could freely exchange their views and relate their experiences on the subject of UFOs. So that's good, right? While he's uh, taking these people's money, he's not demanding they give him all their shit, forsake their families, slave away from him uh, for him at some compound. This shit's unusual. Uh, I don't believe any of Claude's claims, but also mostly harmless, you know, I guess. Uh, Only the first Raelian book had surfaced at this time and Palmer says that it had consisted largely of a creation myth and, uh, ooh, this is a tough word, uh, eschatology, eschatology. Uh, But it had no rituals, no priesthood, no experiential dimension, no coherent system of ethics, which would lead to an organized movement that had any chance of committing to large projects guided by a leader. That stuff will come later, for real. Uh, More and more members are coming in for the still loosey-goosey organization. Uh, Regional offices form in several communities around France, right? A country with ancient alien fever. I I got a fever, and the only cure is more alien. Uh, The media was immediately critical, right? Bunch of assholes like me who just can't accept someone's obviously bullshit and incredibly self-serving, egomaniacal story. Uh, Things are going pretty uh, sweet, though, overall, pretty well, but not as well as Rail Wanted. Much of his early followers were sci-fi nerds and hippies. Not the kind of people that would change the world. And I think more importantly, not the hot women he wanted to fuck. His alien party was real nerd sausage heavy at this point. So he decides to pull off a little nerd purge. March of 1975, Claude gathers together many of his officers in Paris. Fires them, right, to save uh, from his save the world mission. He's purging his leaders uh, that are hampering his creativity," he says. He told uh, the MADEC folks he needed to rid the organization from the kind of occultism and pseudoscience which contradicted his true, correct point of view. Right, and and also too many fucking nerds, you guys. It feels like a Trekkie convention. God damn it! I'm trying to get my fuck on. I'm trying to get my dick wet, and he's dressed like Captain Kirk. Uh, he didn't tell them that exactly. He told them uh, they needed to focus on the Raelian you know, view of Elohim extraterrestrials exclusively. He dismisses most of his core members, replaces them with an inner circle of seven hot women friends, or just people, whose mission was to inform the public of the Raelian messages and to raise funds for building an embassy for extraterrestrials. Excuse me, I keep drinking water here and there. It is comes up. Uh, June of 1975, Claude resigns, resigns from MADEC. Time to rebrand. He speaks of a personal desire to settle in the countryside, write an autobiography of events, happening prior to his purported extraterrestrial encounters beginning on December 13th, 1973. While he's working on that. He has an intense encounter with the Elohim after a quick UFO sighting to establish more credibility. July 31st, 1975, along with his wife, Marie, and a devoted uh, former MADEC member, uh, Francois, he sees a UFO near his new home in the countryside near Clermont-Ferrand. He said that the glowing craft performed aerial start and go maneuvers along a zigzag path, he thinks this is verification that his new location is, you know, where he's supposed to be, right place, right time. Then October 7th, 1975, an hour before midnight, after having a sudden urge to observe the night sky, he goes out, right, to the countryside, Rock Rockplat, an uninhabited place between two brooks surrounded by forest. Spacecraft suddenly lands, shines a bright light behind a bush. He then meets the same extraterrestrial from his first encounter, Yahweh. Daddy, it's good to see you. Daddy's back, everybody. After a few words, space daddy. Takes him onto the spacecraft. They fly to a remote base, relatively close to our solar system, where he's given a resort-style relaxation treatment, including an organic breakfast. Yum. Uh, Over an hour in a jacuzzi of warm blue liquid, slightly thicker than water. Awesome. Nice. Thanks for the hot tub, Space Daddy. On the morning of uh, October 8th, still off-world, Rail sits mesmerized, listens to a three-hour lecture from Yahweh Elohim about his religions and philosophers. The need for a geneocracy, Hinduism, Islam, Buddhism. Uh, Talks about ideas of God and soul. Then travels to another planet, the planet of the Eternals. Oh, hell yeah. According to Claude, uh, the planet they now visit, orbited around a very large star, has a climate similar to the rainforest of Earth. He says here he sits down with some uh, Elohim, has a meal with major prophets, uh, has a meal with Buddha, Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, his half bros. His bros being bros. Uh, Guide then shows him installations that house machines for creating biological robots, clones. He gives a picture of his mom to a machine, which almost instantaneously creates a similar-appearing biological robot. That night, he claims he receives an introduction to build his future home at the planet of the Eternals, and then, oh shit, he's presented with six young, curvy-as-fuck female biological robots. The most beautiful young women you could ever imagine. Who also seem to have huge tits. Claude, uh, clearly a boob guy. Space Daddy, you shouldn't have. You're spoiling me. And these ladies fuck Claude all night long. They almost break his Earth dick off. Uh, They were created to please his every desire. To quote him, they were submissive to his every desire. He fucked those robots so hard, you guys. He's living his best Westworld life right now. He's totally forgiven Space Daddy for abandoning him as a child. He has more than made up for that. Claude said that one time before reaching a climax, uh, he wore a helmet, which played music controlled by his thoughts, which the females then danced to. And then he came so hard. Oh, man, I bet his thought music went wild when he came so hard. Probably some Sabbath, maybe. Too bad fucking Striper wasn't around yet. Uh, Claude said that upon waking the next morning, October 9th, he took a scented bath. Fucked his robot lady some more, probably. Doesn't say that, but I'm assuming. Uh, then soon after, Yahweh Elohim presents Claude uh, a machine which will maximize his faculties. They give him a fucking system, uh, uh, operating system upgrade. Uh, Yahweh then gives him a bunch of uh, uh, "You're you're the best. Uh, we we love you. You're the chosen one." Advice, S- such a great space daddy. You know, so uh, supportive. Aurel then spends a few more hours on the on, on the planet doing yoga, of course, uh, eating some more organic food, uh, giving a long guided meditation session, uh, <laughs> enjoys what the world has to offer, more sex. Uh, Meets with more, you know, uh, prophets. It's it's all great. It's all so great. By midnight of October 10th, 1975, 666 days after the first meeting with the Elohim, uh, minutes after the last one, Claude, a.k.a. Rail, back in France. His entire experience had taken exactly 72 earth hours. And what he experienced would become the content of his second book, The Extraterrestrials Took Me to Their Planet. Very straightforward title. Now, Railism is mostly about fucking. October seventh, nineteen seventy six. Claude seems to luck out with his followers. About fifty railings are gathered in a rural area of southwest France for their first anniversary of the contact on October seventh, nineteen seventy five. Uh, suddenly, someone cries, uh, "What is that falling from the sky? Great flakes were falling from the near cloudless sky." He wrote, "They seem to be made of a cottony substance, which, when touched, melted in a few seconds." I don't know snow, maybe. I don't know what what what. Uh, yeah, October maybe it's early snow. Uh, um, then someone cried. Look, there is something very shiny in the sky. I would love it if it's just snow and they're like too fucking, too fucking high. Like they all got high and they, just don't, they forgot what snow looks like. You know, it's daytime. It's 3, 3 p.m. when this happens. Claude wrote in one of his books that two luminous objects, both very bright, were just above us. The fall of the flakes lasted about 10 minutes. Then the objects suddenly disappeared. I would love if the objects were clouds. Uh, Roger, a guide from Toulouse, who worked in a research laboratory, was able to obtain a sample of the cottony flakes, but upon taking them for analysis, they vaporized or melted. Uh, this solidified shit for those followers and was religion's most witnessed miracle. God, please let it be snow. Did that happen? I don't know. Claude said it did. Uh, March 14th, 1978, Rio now claims he receives a new telepathic message from Space Daddy. It goes like this. Beware. It is not impossible that other extraterrestrial civilizations will make contact very soon with the people of the Earth. I imagine that's how they talk. They are people we have also created scientifically in another part of the universe and with whom we maintain presently no direct communication for reasons that we cannot explain to you without creating a serious imbalance. You must simply know that we are counting on you to (laughs) reveal to those people their true origin for they are your brothers from space and like you are looking for their creator. Tell them the truth about their creation by revealing to them the book which tells the truth and the message of October 7th of year 30 of the age of apocalypse. Uh, This is the only message Roe had received telepathically in three years. He said that uh, all men should know or nearly all, uh, you know, they should already all know what they needed to know from the first two messages. Also 1978, uh, Raelians have a conference for the French press announcing their vision for a worldwide political movement right? About the geneocracy. Almost no one attends. <laughs> of course not. There's people like, no, we're not going to that. Uh, but then in March of 1978, one of their members is voted onto the city council of Sola, a small town in Southwestern France. Now they have an important government in on their side, small town city council official. Now they're going to be taken seriously. Despite having a member as a high ranking government official, due to the authoritarian nature of the geneocratic model of government, uh, the Raelians are considered a cult at this point, thanks to their Swatchka logo as well. And the police seized documents from Rael's home as well as from the homes of other Raelians. Oh, well. Uh, the cult conti- continues to grow, even if the authorities aren't respecting them. Uh, how much is never revealed in sources, hard to get uh, concrete numbers about membership. You know, again, they'll claim over, well over 130,000 at one point, but I doubt it. 1979, new members of the Raelian movement now asked to sign an act of apostasy, as we talked about earlier, right? Got to get rid of your old religion, get more serious. Uh, also sign uh, a contract permitting a mortician to cut a piece of bone from their foreheads uh, when they die. Cause that's their third eye. And that specimen is going to be stored in ice in a Swiss facility until the Elohim return. Cause they might want to use that to fucking clone them, bring them back. Totally. Also uh, those joining expected to bequeath their assets. Give us your stuff when you die. Although that's not obligatory. So that's a little culty, but at least not obligatory. Uh, 1980 Claude publishes another book, sensual meditation. Fuck. Yeah. Sex, sex, sex. Uh, also, the Raelian messages are published in Japanese for the first time as part of a Raelian mission to Japan. Two years later, 1982, Africa becomes another target area in their mission to spread Raelian messages. Uh, did I mention that when Claude said he fucked those six alien uh, robots or, you know, bio bots or whatever, uh, one was a beautiful Asian woman and one was a beautiful African woman, right? He, I think all, almost all of this was motivated just by his sexual fantasies. May of 1983, Claude, traveling to Japan, visits a famous landmark that survived the atomic bombing at Hiroshima, uh, known as the Hiroshima Peace Memorial. He finds a small but growing group of people in Japan that will become members of his uh, little crew, including some very wealthy members who will help him a great deal in the future. Nice! 1985, Raelle and his first wife, Marie, get divorced. She has had enough of this alien pseudoscience sex cult bullshit. When she was interviewed later in 2003, she said she witnessed frequent nude gatherings in the living room, says she was treated as a servant, while he brainwashed their preteen children into believing he was a divine messenger for an alien race. She says the kids believed him. They had it drummed into them since before they could talk. What he did to them was hateful. He devastated their lives. No child should be expected to witness adult nudity that exists in an environment so close to having people having orgies. Yeah, probably a good call to keep the kids away from the orgies. Uh, meanwhile, Claude is traveling around the world singing songs about aliens and, you know, f- doing a lot of fucking. Uh, sundown one 1986, in a restaurant just outside the Vatican City. Rill claims to members that he is the true pope and plays guitar, him, about extraterrestrials. So, you know, he's having a good time. He's having he's, he's living his best life. 1987, Rill gets married again to a Japanese uh, follower, Lisa Tsunagawa. She began accompanying him during his uh, travels to uh, Lima, Brazil, uh, Miami, excuse me, Brazil, and Martinique following their marriage. Uh, They seem to have had a very open marriage, at least for him. They will separate sometime between 1990 and 92. Not a lot is known about her. Between 1990 and 92, Claude, 44 years old in 1990, sets his eyes on a 15-year-old ballet dancer named Sophie de uh, Niverville, her mother and aunt, both Raylians. Sophie will receive a Raelian baptism at the age of 15. And right when she turns 16, she gets married to Rael at Montreal City Hall. So that's gross. That's not creepy at all. Definitely not doing any of this to uh, chase his dick around. Uh, Thank God that is the uh, youngest uh, person he seemed to go after. I mean, still way too young, but at least not like fucking 10 or something. 1990, Australians became the next Raelian target. They gather some members there. February of 1991, the Raelian church modifies their symbols. They're, They're tired of running into roadblocks. With the swastika. Go figure. So they modify it into like a little sun looking kind of thing. Uh, and they modify it not because just so they can market better. It's because rail received a new update, a new telepathic update from the Elohim to change it in order to help negotiations with Israel for building their embassy there. Uh, Third temple of Israel where they were supposed to, you know, uh, have, have the Elohim come back and land and all that shit. And they have to have that built by 2035 or everyone gets annihilated. Uh, despite the symbol change, though, the Israeli government continues to deny the request to, <laughs> to donate them a couple square kilometers of land in Jerusalem, or Jerusalem, excuse me, to build their temple. That's weird uh, that they just wouldn't give them a bunch of land. Uh, not having luck in the, East, in the Middle East. 1992, Reilings have better luck in Canada. Uh, they purchased 115 hectares. Why does that word always throw me? But I, uh, hectares. Uh, in Quebec, can be to be used in a series of summer seminars in North America. Uh, Their leader gives this place the name, the Prophet's Gardens. They'll have a big estate built here. Uh, Quebec will become the epicenter for Raelian campaigns and testing of experimental ideas for years to come. August of 1992, former member Jean Paraga tries to kill Rail, tries to shoot him, believes uh, that Rail was manipulating his wife and children into participating in orgies. No criminal charges ever uh, made here towards Rail about having sex with anyone underage, but I'm sure he was fucking people's wives. Uh, those charges never would come. I, I I think he's a creep, but I don't think he went after like young children. I hope not. December of 1992, Rayleigh Project Operation Condom is launched in response to a veto of the Montreal Catholic School Commission against the install installation of high school condom vending machines. Uh, this is a little creepy considering he's uh, you know, just married a sixteen-year-old. A mobile condom vendor, a pink van dubbed the Condomobile, was orchestrated by Raelian who advocated the notion that extraterrestrial Elohim wanted the teens to live a long life of pleasure. And they criticized the commission by quoting statistics about teen pregnancies and sexually transmitted diseases. Uh, about ten thousand condoms are distributed. I mean, I liked you know that they're giving away condoms, but uh, you know this pissed off more than ten thousand parents because a UFO sex cult. Led by a dude in his 40s, married to a 16-year-old, you know, showing up near a fucking high school, encouraging the kids to fuck. So, eh, sketchy. Montreal, July 7th, 1993, Raelian Conference about Masturbation is held. Entitled, Yes to Self-Love. Hosted by Betty Dodson, a sex educator, also by Rail and by one of his Raelian bishops. Betty speaks about her dream of a worldwide masturbation campaign. <laughs> for the 2000 New Year's celebration. That's funny to me. God, I just if, if we, if every if the whole world could get together and diddle and jerk, God, it, it, it solve everything. Uh, Rail talked about how masturbation helps us link uh, to the cosmos, and then Daniel Chabot, a local college psychology professor, might be Shabbat. And Raelian spoke about the psychological benefits of masturbation. Shabbat's statements, along with his bishop status and the sect, uh, with the sect and his purported use of his psychological credentials to attract new recruits, leads to some controversy. Uh, sounds like it would have been a Sounds like it would have been super fun to get high and attend that Raelian Jerkoff conference. I had no idea that masturbating could link you to the cosmos. I'm surprised that I didn't fucking float off in outer space when I was around 17. I was so linked. I couldn't have been more linked to the cosmos at that point. Uh, 1994 some rich Japanese Raelians give uh, their leader a race car. He's he's back to his race car dreams. He's really he's living all of his dreams. He's a race car driver. He's singing songs to his followers all the time. They treat him like a rock star. He's got group re- groupies more devoted to him sexually than most rock stars or race car drivers. I'm guessing, you know, he's the, he has the coolest dad ever. Uh, October 7th, 1994, Raelians began implementing their own version of baptism in front of a baptismal font inside of St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican. In response to Catholic's complaints, Vatican guards, you know, escort them off the fucking property. Uh, take them to the exit gates at the edge of their little city there. Uh, same week, Rail purportedly hands a copy of one of his books to Pope John Paul II. So he said, I doubt it. I fucking doubt it. I, there's no way the Pope would meet with this nut. Right? I think here he just wanted to uh, show his followers, you know, he's on the same level as the Pope. He's the real Pope. He's flexing a little bit. <laughs> I just love imagine. him. Uh, so, Paul, uh, Pope, I would like to, to read my book. Uh, thank you, Claude. Uh, what's it about? It's about how you popes completely fucked it uh, with the Bible. And there's no God, uh, just aliens who, uh, who make fuck clones. And uh, one of the most important aliens is my daddy. And he's also Jesus' daddy. And we're going to build a welcome embassy. And when they land by 2035, you're going to be obliterated. That sounds very interesting, Claude. Uh, thanks so much for stopping by and I appreciate the book. Uh, March of 1995, the Raelians attained religious corporation status in Quebec and are therefore eligible to apply for federal tax exemption in Canada. But then the tax department uh, box, and uh, they don't meet the full requirement of religions who believe in transcendental, transcendental and immaterial beings. They make an appeal, doesn't go through. But then in the U.S., they do achieve uh, tax-exempt status, and they'll move their corporate headquarters later to the, to the States. August of 1997, UFO Land, a huge UFO-themed compound, opens in the group's Quebec Estate in Valcourt about 30 miles east of Montreal. Its purpose was to inform the public about the Raylian interpretation of the UFO phenomenon and to attract funds for the Raylian Foundation. Right, we've got to build this embassy. Audio-visual presentations in six different rooms display teachings about the Raylian message, sightings, government cover-ups, concerning UFOs. In another room, the first one you walk in serves as an attraction for their proposed Raylian embassy, right, for extraterrestrials or used to. Didn't stay open for very long. Uh, while we're here, Let's look at what they wanted this embassy to be. It's pretty great. Raelians believe that the embassy for extraterrestrials or third temple is to support an official contact with extraterrestrial Elohim and their messengers uh, of the main religions at the noon at the new religion. i uh, sorry, at the new Jerusalem. <laughs> sorry, this becomes like word salad after a while. Uh, so it has to be super fucking sci-fi looking and cool as shit. Right. The last thing you want is for aliens to show up and laugh at your temple. And then Earth just gets obliterated. No way, Jose. Nah. Uh, the International Aurelian Movement envisions having an entrance with uh, an aseptic chamber leading to a conference room for 21 people, as well as a dining room. Same capacity. In the plan, seven rooms for the purpose of receiving human guests into the embassy. The embassy building, along with a swimming pool, Elohim loved to take a dip in their fucking pool. Everyone knows that. And the pool will be in the center of a large park and protected from trespassing by a wall. A maximum of two stories to surround the entire complex, uh, its circumference. Got to have a wall. Right The Elohim. They love a swimming pool. They hate trespassers. Sneaking in and dipping in their pool. Get out of here. We're trying to fuck our clone bots in the pool. And you're killing the vibe. God, we're going to have to obliterate you now. Uh, Trees and bushes are to be planted in the outskirts of the walls area. Uh, Walls are to have a northern, southern entrance. Landing pad for the embassy should be able to fit a spaceship with a diameter of up to 39 feet, four inches on its terrace. Uh, the terrace is to be above the rooms in the Taurus, which are for extraterrestrials only. Kind of like uh, extraterrestrial green rooms. Backstage passes only and stuff to get there. Seven rooms directly underneath the landing pad will be protected from occupants of other rooms with a thick metal door. Don't want people eavesdropping on the Elohim. Finally, the international Raelian movement wants to avoid military and radar surveillance of the airspace above the embassy. Don't, it's fucking no-fly zone. Don't, it pisses aliens off. Buildings for administration, food and water provisions, uh, state-of-the-art sanitation, communication systems are a must for this never-going-to-be-built vision. Uh, May 31st, 1997. The Raelians now found uh, Clonade, a human cloning organization registered as a company in the Bahamas. We talked about this quite a bit in the celebrity cloning conspiracy suck. You can check out episode 258 if you want to go deeper on some clone efforts. Uh, cloning is how you become immortal, right? Obviously, in the Raylian faith, very important. Cloning announced in an issue of the popular science magazine, New Scientist. And the announcement alarmed the fuck out of bioethicists who were opposed to random yahoos doing this kind of shit. They warned lawmakers against failing to regulate human cloning. At the time, European countries such as Britain had banned human cloning, but the U.S. had merely put a moratorium on the use of federal funds for human cloning research. June 9, 1997, CloneAid states its intention to offer homosexual uh, and or infertile couples the chance to have a genetically identical child take a step towards immortality. According to an internet announcement, the Rayleigh leader and a group of investors founded the company in the Bahamas, right, call it Valiant Venture Limited, the project mission, CloneAid. Uh, Valiant Venture claimed to expect to have 1 million potential customers uh, just a bit off. Uh, they would have one. On December 13th, 1997, uh, now 51-year-old Rail uh, would bring forth to his followers into the world a new message from the Elohim. The Elohim declared the Raëlians were the new chosen people, and the Elohim believe Raëlians are the ones closest to us and promise uh, rewards to the faithful. Oh, Yeah! So much hot alien sex slave, biobot, clone dick sucking and puss licking right around the corner if you just stick around with us. Very exciting. Elohim also expressed frustration about the lack of progress on the embassy and now claimed the real uh, Jewish people did not live in Israel, even saying the link we have with the people of Israel is about to be severed. Oh, they're pissed. And the new alliance is coming to an end. You fucked up Israelites. Uh, The Raelians now don't have to build their embassy in Jerusalem. I love it when prophets do this. The world won't play ball with their prophecy. So bingo, bango, new prophecy. Nice. The area of the proposed embassy property still envisioned, right, uh, as being, you know, 3.47 square kilometers. Uh, you know, good, good size. Uh, Elohim also used this update to praise uh, Buddhism. It's the religion closest to the truth, right, saying that more Buddhists will become railians. Uh, and then this uh, transmission ends by heaping a shit ton of praise on rail, assuring his followers, God, he's so great. He's the best you could hope for, and he's going to live a long time. He's very strong. Thanks, Space Daddy, for the ego boost. June 15th, 1998. Uh, Bridget Basilaire, uh, the uh, Raelian lead scientist in Clonade, announces a small clone setback. She says the headquarters of clone Aid, now located in Las Vegas, and that Clonade, so sorry everybody, doesn't have enough funds for human cloning. Rail assures the faithful everything's still fine. The secrets of cloning will be made clear when the Elohim show up if they can't figure it out before then. Let's just focus on building fucking cool embassy, you guys. And, you know, a bunch of sex. Speaking of a bunch of sex, also 1998, Rail establishes the religion's order of angels we talked about. Right? The most beautiful female followers are to be the, uh, you know, ambassadors of the group, and fuck him. Uh, After his announcement, women submit applications by the dozens. They have to have headshots set in. Uh, He said that the Elohim said, we prefer to be surrounded by individuals of great beauty corresponding to the absolutely perfect original models of the different races we created on earth Uh, the aliens want him to focus recruitment efforts on hot chicks this is not his call don't be mad at him sorry dudes sorry non-model type ladies hot chicks only in the inner circle by 1999 uh rail has selected 165 women to join this uh order of the angels the white angels Right, He gets to fuck all these ladies. It's going to be great. Their job is to make him comfortable. Then additionally, he picks six extra elite pink angels. Right, A recreation of the sex robots he had sex with. Uh, these women ordered to follow strict diets in order to maintain genetic purity to make the aliens happy. Not allowed to have sex with humans. Only the Elohim and of course Rail because he's half Elohim. Right? This is the most cult-like thing he's ever done. I think. The aliens want him to have a harem of super hot sex slaves. Only he gets to fuck these ladies. He and Space Daddy, of course. Uh, he's actually pulled this shit off. This is unreal. Next year, Rail's former teen bride, Sophie, divorces him. She is not pumped about the new harem. What, what a weirdo. What a fun-hating prude. September 21st, 2000, Rail holds a meeting in his uh, Montreal hotel where he announces that a wealthy American couple is willing to fund clone aid. Cloning mission back on. The first pending clone, according to Rail at the time, is the couple's deceased 10-month-old girl. So sad, preying on grief here. He says that the couple is willing to pay uh, $1.5 million to clone their deceased daughter. Uh, yeah, it's terrible. Our lead clone scientist, Basile, reveals the roles of four scientists. She says are involved, a biochemist, a geneticist, cell fusion expert, French uh, medical doctor. Doesn't reveal their identity, though, because they I don't think they exist. Uh, some experts, knowledgeable of scientific advances, uh, advances in the field of cloning, think they might actually be able to pull this off if they have the right you know, team right because uh you know human reproductive chemistry is better understood than that of most animals like sheep and those have been cloned uh they think that a higher rate of success is possible in human cloning compared to animal cloning however there is no evidence that clonade had anyone on board with even close to enough medical knowledge to pull off cloning someone and even if they did it would be a person who shared the same genetic makeup with the cloned person we talked about cloning a lot in that celebrity cloning suck due to the way genetic replication works they wouldn't actually look identical to the person they were cloned from. And they wouldn't have the memories, personality. It's not a fucking sci-fi replica, the type Rail has been preaching about. 2001 UFO Land closes. Uh, Why? Because fucking no one wants to go there. (laughs) No one cares about it. March 2001, Clone Aid project leader Basile says that a woman will be pregnant with a clone fetus in April. According to a CNN article that November, the Clone Aid laboratory was outside the US. Clone Aid claimed it had already developed human cloned embryos. Due to Clonade's association with Raelians and the lack of evidence for cloning, authorities remain skeptical as, if they, as, their, as to their ability to pull this off, which they should have. they, they were not. Uh, plus the Raelians, you know, were keeping their lab a secret. Spring of 2001, the FDA, uh, their Office of Criminal Investigations, inspects Clonade's lab in the small city of Nitro in West Virginia. This is so great. We talked about this in the celebrity episode. It was located inside a rented room within a former high school. Staff scientists reviewed the lab's research documentation, found it inadequate. Uh, The entire work of the lab was the work of a lone grad student extracting ovum from cow ovaries from a slaughterhouse. Yep, just one employee, non-scientist graduate student who was deemed, quote, woefully unprepared. The FDA immediately determined that this environment was hardly ideal for advanced research. They wrote in their report about insects flying in through open windows, possibly from a nearby barn. The official said this was no place where sterile conditions could be had. The FDA did note that equipment in the lab was state of the art and had been bought by Mark Hunt, right? The former West Virginia state legislator, the guy who gave him 1.5 million following investigation of the, uh, following investigation of the West Virginia lab, Mark Hunt agreed to not continue with his cloning efforts. So, so sad. Uh, and how pathetic was this fucking clone lab <laughs> and the celebrity cloning suck? I named that lone grad student Todd, right? Remember Todd? Remember after being shut down, he struck out on his own, opened Todd's Clone Shack? Let's see how business has been at Todd's Clone Shack in uh, recent months. Today's Time suck is brought to you again by Todd's Clone Shack. Todd's former lab in the Baylor Biotech Medical Plaza, right off the old Spanish Trail Highway in Houston, Texas, sadly closed down for health code violations. But now, Todd's back. Todd has a new location in Boise, Idaho across the street from the Rama Buffet on West Overland Drive he's in a horse trailer parked between the Panda Express and Ocean Nails and Spa inside that trailer you'll find Todd tirelessly working on clones by himself 7 days a week 12 hours a day call 1-800-MY-CLONE to get a hold of Todd if he doesn't answer well he's probably busy cloning Todd can take care of all your clone needs he's got beakers a lab coat a master's degree in sociology, pretty clean horse trailer. Uh, He's $500 away from owning it outright. He's got a bachelor's in criminal justice. He's got uh, several notebooks, a lot of pens, Petri dishes, quite a few animal parts, mini fridge, and some kind of thing he bought at a Star Trek convention, he's calling a clone tank. So call, make an appointment, and have yourself cloned, or clone your kid, or make a fuckbot sex slave clone that looks kind of like Rosario Dawson, or maybe Penelope Cruz or Blake Lively. Todd's clone check. If it's got bones, he'll try and make clones. Uh, so that was fun to do. Uh, I love how fucking low rent their clone lab was. I love that they actually did have one sad grad student trying their best. So crazy. They might've actually thought this could work. Uh, July, 2001, the Raelians do something good. They protest on the streets of France, handing out leaflets to protest uh, 100 child molesters in existence among Roman Catholic clergy in France. They recommend that parents should not send their kids to Catholic confessions anymore. The Episcopal vicar of Geneva sues the Raelian church for libel, uh, does not win. So they uh, protest them as well. I mean, uh, all right. You know, they fucked up with uh, cloning claims, but this protest, I like it. You know, I think uh, members of uh, some of these churches sort of boycotted going to these churches entirely until all the information was released regarding hiding child molesters to state prosecutors. Purge yourself. Those sins are crumbling to dust. Late 2002, clone AIDS branch in South Korea, Biofusion Tech, now says a woman become has become pregnant with a clone. Nothing more than another publicity stunt. They cannot clone shit. November of 2002, two, there is an assassination attempt on Rail. Not really. Uh, not this time. Mentally ill man breaks into one of the group's properties in France, damages some stuff. Uh, Rail says that this assassination attempt is part of the Abraham Project, a joint operation between the CIA and French intelligence spe- uh, agencies to assassinate him using schizophrenics directed through mind control. Totally. That makes sense. And when that didn't work, I guess they just abandoned the Abraham project. Uh, maybe they remember that no one important actually cares about Claude. Uh, December 26, 2002, Bridget Basile announces the birth of Baby Eve, human clone. Uh, gets a bunch of media attention. Uh, you know, ethical debate. Claims of it being a hoax, and it is. Another publicity stunt. Clone does not show verifiable evidence of this cloning, despite claims they will do that within days of the announcement. Right? There is, yeah, no evidence still that Eve ever existed. January 5th, 2003, uh, Basile says to the BBC that her medical team produced hundreds of human clone embryos, uh, two of which led to live births. Man, they just keep milking this and they're getting more publicity. The head of the UK Rosin Institute is critical saying clone aid has no track record, uh, but claims to have cloned hundreds of embryos doesn't ring true. Uh, Aurelian spokeswoman from Japan then claims that a baby boy has been cloned from a comatose two-year-old of a Japanese couple who was born the previous day again. Not true, but they get more conferences out of it. Getting their name out there. Uh, The Raelian movement promotes 2004 as the year of atheism by creating the website thereisnogod.com. Ridiculous uh, because, you know, they're not atheists either. Uh, Not really. February 2004, Clone Aid now claims that a six-clone baby is born in Australia. They just will not shut the fuck off about clones. March 2004, Clone Aid claims that eight extra baby clones (laughs) have been brought to term. There's 13 baby clones now. So many fake clones. October of 2004, struggling to get more clone publicity, uh, Rail goes back to sex sells advertising. And the 58 year old now poses with his pink angel sex slaves in an issue of Playboy. Since its leader's first abduction, Railism has waffled back and forth between the overt objectification of women and convenient empowerment of women. They've campaigned against female genital mutilation, they've uh, appointed women to powerful leadership positions as clergy and organizers. And their leader has a gaggle of young sex slaves who must adhere to strict diets and satisfy his every fucking whim. It's a weird line they walk. 2006, the railing movement launches a public fundraising effort, Clitorade, to pay for repairs of clitorises, right? We talked about that the, for women in Burkina Faso, uh, the home of the biggest railing community in Africa where excision is rampant. Uh, Raelian members raise money for clitoral reconstruction surgeries by putting money in a, quote, clit box kept on their uh, bedside tables every time they have an orgasm, which I think is pretty cool, actually. To their credit, they do build a clitoral reconstruction center, uh, and they get surgeons to volunteer their time, and 25 women get their clits restored before the government shuts down the center for not having their credentials. Uh, The surgeries, though, do seem to have been successful. So those weirdos, you know, have done some pretty good stuff here and there. Uh, they've also been, as I said, you know, super pro-trans rights for the entirety of their existence. Uh, in the Raelian village near the surgery center, followers would wear colored bracelets. The colors would signify what their sexuality is. Heterosexual, homosexual, polyamorous. Uh, also only interested in one partner, not interested in any partners, you know, uh, multiple partners, et cetera. As long as everyone is an adult and consenting, there is no judgment there. And I do feel like a lot of their views on sexuality are, are pretty good. I like the honesty of it. I don't, you know, uh... You know, you can just be like, I don't like monogamy. I don't like sex at all. I like sex with men, women, both. I like group sex, one-on-one. I love that they were wearing bracelets, just advertising who they were. Refreshing level of honesty. Uh, 2006, the group claims that more than 60,000 total people have been baptized since they formed in 1974. February 2007, the Raelian Movement puts up for sale their UFO land headquarters. All right, they'll sell it to next year. Uh, Just just didn't work out for them. And then they uh, moved to Las Vegas in May of 2007. Great place for them. They plan to build a space uh, uh, or, um, excuse me, not a space. They plan to build a place or buy and renovate a hotel in order to conduct seminars, but that has not happened yet. October 7th, 2010 in Japan, the first Raelian temple is created near uh, Narita, Japan. It's called uh, Korindo, which means light coming from the sky. About 1,500 devout Raylians uh, apparently do their Raelian stuff out there. And the whole thing was paid for by one of rael's longtime wealthy Japanese followers. 2014, The church organizes a march to New York City in which dozens of women bear their breasts, right? Go topless day, goes viral. Uh, More publicity, it appears on the surface to advocate a worthy cause, desexualizing the female body, thus creating a safer public environment for women. But is that why they did it? Or does Rael just want to see more titties? Because he's a very horny dude. I'm 100% for free the nipple. I think women should be able to go bare chest anywhere a man can. It would be liberating. And also full transparency. uh, I just love seeing women's breasts, right? They're super great. They can really turn your uh, mood around. I think that was probably his motivating factor. He just wanted to see more boobs. Uh, September 2018, rapper Kid Boo claims he was a human clone produced by Clone 8. And, you know, that was just a blatant publicity stunt again. I don't think Kid Boo knows much of anything about the Raelians, other than they're associated with Clone 8. Uh, Rael and Raelians no longer claim any connection to Clone 8 by this time, by the way. And then on December 25th, 2020, on the 74th anniversary of Rails' conception date, one of his prominent followers writes a letter to President Trump to release all files on UFOs. And I do not think the letter quite made it to the president's desk. So what are the Railings up to now? From what I can tell, the Pink Angels seem to be still fucking their leader, who's now 75. Uh, He and his followers still talk a lot about building that embassy to welcome the Elohim by 2035 so we don't get obliterated. Uh, They're looking at maybe Hawaii now. Seems to me like Rail is just trying to keep this party going. Right, This little sex and worship me party going until he dies. He's almost there. Uh, some cult experts interviewed in, the, in that recent doc seem to think that when he dies, ah, his UFO religion is probably going to die with him. Let's pop out of the timeline now. Uh, talk about all of this just a bit more.
2: Good job, soldier. You've made it back. Barely.
0: The Raelians, a whole new breed of cult. Claude, Maurice, Marcel, Vorion living the dream, right? For many men, he's in his mid seventies, still running around with gorgeous women with their uh, their tits out all across the globe, living in nice homes uh, paid for by wealthier followers. Many of these followers uh, have seemed to support him at least partially because they believed in his mission to clone humans in some kind of sci-fi movie way that could create true immortality for them. That of course has not happened and won't, might not ever be possible. Uh, Recreating true identity, Right, memories, personality, all that. A lot of scientists don't think that's ever going to be possible. I like to think it is, but only because I'm a sci-fi nerd and I want it to be true. But even if it is going to be possible someday, not possible now. Uh, some version of Todd, the clone aid grad student, sure as shit not going to pull it off. Has Claude conned his followers with all this clone stuff, or does he think that the right follower can actually pull it off? What does he actually believe about all this? Right? His group has raised supposedly tens of millions of dollars to build his Welcome Back to Earth Aliens Embassy Center, but they haven't broke ground yet. Right? Where's the money gone? Funded the nonstop sex party of Claude's life? Is old Claude Maurice Marcel fleecing the fuck out of his followers? Is he mostly good, mostly bad? He told his followers that his order of angels had to be hot women because the Elohim, quote, prefer to be surrounded by individuals of great beauty, and that they're uh, you know, trying to get humanity back to its original beauty. The beauty of the prototypes they'd created for each human race. But if that was true, why couldn't they just fucking build some new ones with their handy-dandy clone machines that could make a hot person out of a piece of sand? They could. Hard not to see that as anything but this dude just wanting to fuck as many hot women as possible. The whole marrying the 16-year-old, the orgies his ex-wife talked about, the inner circle of six pink angels who can only fuck him. Hard not to see this guy as being manipulatively uh, sexually, or as anything but being manipulatively sexually predatory. Watching him interact with new members at a recent ceremony in that 2020 documentary film, uh, there's a scene where he hugs new members for the first time, and it's obvious he's a creep. He hugs young, attractive women much longer than anyone else, comments on their beauty. Meanwhile, he says nothing to men at all, seems annoyed they're even near him. Seems like the whole thing, this whole thing is mostly about Rail getting his dick wet. He wanted to be a rock star. Race car driver, those two careers, uh, to me, read as the kind of careers that a dude who really wants women to think he's cool would want. Uh, Girls did not think he was cool when he was a kid. He admits that. But then they figured out, or he figured out, that they liked it when he sang. And it feels like from that moment forward, his whole life has been dedicated to wanting attractive women to want to sleep with him. And also to being admired. Everyone, please think I'm the cool guy. The coolest guy. The one guy aliens need to save humanity. I think speculating here, he chose aliens as the vehicle for him to get all the attention he wanted because ancient alien lore happened to be getting buzz when he lost his race car magazine in France. Others were already claiming to have aliens talk to them. Others had recently built UFO religions in the previous few decades. And he knew about all that. He knew that it could work. And so he gave it a shot. And then he got enough good feedback to keep going. So he doubled down, impressed some hot ladies who showed up at his meetings, uh, doubled down again, got more people to show up. People who gave him money to fund a lifestyle where he got to sleep with more attractive young women and continue to not work. And he's just been saying what he needs to say to keep all that going ever since. That's what I think. So is he a piece of shit? Ah, on some level. Yeah, probably. I guess I think he is. But he's also champion for gender equality. He's helped 25 women have clitoral reconstruction, watching interviews of followers, many of whom are homosexual, transsexual, you know, pansexual, anything outside of heterosexual monogamy They do seem to feel very empowered by his teachings. And I guess, you know, that's good. But can't you form a group that preaches all that good stuff without all the Elohim, let's build an embassy, welcome center, I need money for that bullshit? Yeah, I think you can. So final judgment, he's an old creepy horn dog who's completely full of shit about all this. Uh, This whole thing is mostly about sex. But no one's forced to join. There's no punishment for leaving. You don't even have to, you know, know, fuck Claude to get extra immortality points. So I guess if something like this makes you happy, you could pick more nefarious groups to be a part of or waste your money on. You know, if you want to get fucked by an alien bad enough to fuck Claude on the off chance he's an alien, I guess go for it if that's what makes you happy. In that doc, The Prophet and the Space Aliens, several followers interviewed said straight up that even if they found out that the whole origin story was a lie, they would still be glad they believed it because becoming Raelian changed their lives in many positive ways. It gave them more confidence Made them less afraid of the world. And, you know, well, they've uh, got to do a lot of uh, fun stuff like have orgies and wait for aliens to show up. I bet this belief system has made them a lot happier than the belief systems of major religions that uh, have made millions and millions of their followers feel, you know, or how they've made them feel. So I guess Raelianism is not the worst. Pro women, but kind of sexist. Pro sex, but kind of predatory. Anti war, anti genital mutilation, but also pro so much bullshit. No way this is true alien stuff. Love affirming, but also some doomsday stuff with the belief we have to figure everything out by 2035 or be obliterated. Good and bad, like most of life, I guess. At least the doomsday part is barely focused on. He's only mentioned it a few times. Uh, it's definitely all interesting and maybe no more dangerous than just about any other religious group. I wonder if in his private moments when he's meditating on some beach in front of some estate paid for by a follower shortly after having more group sex from you know with people who worship him, I wonder if old Claude, former, you know, little skinny, last pick for everything French kid thinks, holy fuck, I did it. I actually did it. I pulled this shit off. <laughs> I wanted to be famous. I wanted women to love me and to lust after me. And look at me now, you motherfuckers. I don't know. Time now for today's top five takeaways.
2: Time suck. Top five takeaways.
0: Number one rail started as a kid with the dream to be a race car driver and a day job of being a pop singer, uh, who's big, uh, you know, uh, this is how I will get women to love me. When those dreams died, he decided to start an alien sex cult and it worked uh, third time's the charm, I guess. Number two, while Raelians call themselves atheists, they really are not. They've just replaced the old claims of the abilities and duties of gods with new claims of aliens and sci-fi technology. Number three, a lot of the ideals that the Raelians champion are actually pretty good. Sexual liberation, female empowerment, however convoluted and tone-deaf Rael's attempts uh, have been at times, uh, a government run by the best and brightest of us, you know, he could have worse ideas. Number four, clones. Core part of Raelian philosophy is the concept of Westworld-type clones. Doesn't seem possible at the moment, but what an exciting idea. Can someone please get to work on this so that we can live forever and have Westworld-style fuck, fuck bots? Come on, nerds! Hop to it. Number five, new info. Did you know that Rail awards the title of honorary guides to men and women who are not Raelian, but who, like the Raelians, dedicate their lives to changing the world in ways Raelians endorse, like eliminating nuclear weapons, uh, eliminating God-related sexual taboos, and promoting human rights. Who has won so far? Not me, sadly. Uh, After today, I don't think uh, that's ever going to be in the cards. Not even Michael McDonald. But Madonna has. And George Michael, Lauren Hill, Uh, Michael Moore, Bill Gates, Hugh Hefner, Hugo Chavez, Eminem, Rosie O'Donnell, uh, Warren Buffett, Sean Penn, George Soros, right? Is he a Illuminati puppet or is he a champion of the real Uh, Many others. Uh, And somehow also Mark Zuckerberg and Michael Jackson have won. Come on, pick me. If fucking Michael Jackson can win, why can't I win? If you're somehow right about all this, I want to be invited to the clone orgy.
2: Time suck. Top five takeaways.
0: Raelianism, UFO sex cult has been sucked I uh, hope you enjoyed it right? uh, people, some people in this interesting world of ours make their lives especially interesting uh, thanks to the Bad Magic Productions team for their help every week thanks to Queen of Bad Magic Lindsay Cummins thanks to the Reverend Dr. Joe Paisley pulling a, a little, little extra time on production to get this one done this week, thanks to Elixir for upkeep on the TimeSuck app. Logan, Art, Warlock, Keith, creating the merch at BadMagicMerch.com for running socials with Liz, the Enchantress Hernandez. Thanks to the All Seen Eyes, moderating the Cult of the Curious private Facebook page. And to Beefsteak and his Mod Squad. Thank you for running Discord. Next week on TimeSuck, we dive into another space lizard voted-in topic. Uh, this time, Dr. Death. Another Dr. Death. Not Harold Shipman. No, Jack Kevorkian. This time around uh kevorkin aka dr death aka jack the dripper aka sir kills a lot aka the doc who stopped the clock aka the glock doc aka the assassination station aka the kick of the bucket from nantucket and those are all fake except for the first two i like jack the dripper uh dr Kavorkin was a physician from michigan uh, and caused quite a bit of controversy when he advocated for physician assisted suicide helping terminally ill patients end their lives with dignity on their own schedules instead of waiting around for their disease to end their lives after a long and painful illness. Well, he did more than just advocate, actually. He built a machine called the Thantron, a series of injections released released upon the press of a button that would help patients painlessly move to the other side. Dr. Kavorkin called it his calling. The state of Michigan called it murder. While Dr. Kavorkin believed that the Hippocratic Oath to do no harm might actually apply to helping patients die and not prolonging their suffering, law enforcement saw it differently, And he was seen as a murderer, a mad scientist who had been obsessed with death for years, a man who wrote controversial articles about dissecting death row inmates, a man who gave himself hepatitis C when conducting his own wacky blood experiments. Then during his trials, many working for the courts were stunned to see the families of the dead he'd helped kill come out in droves in support of him. They loved him. They said he'd helped, uh, you know, them uh, beyond what the medical establishment would do, that he provided true compassionate care, that he was a model doctor, So who was he? Model doctor, uh, model doctor, excuse me, or murderer? We'll dig in next week. Right now, let's head on over to this week's Time Sucker updates.
2: Updates? Get your Time Sucker updates.
0: First update is a great message of Polish respect. Coming in from Super Sucker Ryan Hill who writes, Dearest Suckmaster oligarch, Dan, love the show, been listening to it since day one. Uh, I don't really... I don't really ever want to censor anything. And in the past, I laughed when you bagged on your wife's Polish background. Hilarious. But after current events, I think you should switch it up. Instead of begging on them, glorify them. After watching a country selflessly open their doors and their kitchens, I will never make another Polish joke. Moms leaving strollers at entry points so that Ukrainian moms entering have a stroller. These people are the salt of the earth. And mind you that I know it's in good fun and you, when you make these jokes, but I, for one, am now gonna do Russian jokes instead. How many Russians does it take to invade a country? Zero, because they don't have directions. Uh, It's a simple ask, but when things settle and hopefully those two nations are still standing, I, for one, would like to visit and spend a shit ton of money there. The biggest hearts, the biggest set of balls uh, are there, and I would like my eyes to see both. Loyalist and time suck OG, Ryan. Ryan, hail fucking Nimrod, brother. Yes, Uh, hail Nimrod, you're, you're right. Absolutely, no one is doing more for Ukraine right now than Poland. I agree, when the dust settles... I want to visit both places as well. Uh, Lindsay, if we didn't have kids, she, she would want to be there right now. She wants to go help so bad. Uh, we will be donating. Hopefully, we can volunteer in other ways too going forward. Uh, it's fucking beautiful what they're doing. Uh, you know, the Polish, the Ukrainians standing up to the, uh, the, you know, the nation, making the rest of Earth uh, tremble in fear. Thank God we are at least imposing strong sanctions and that the Western world has stopped buying Russian oil. Uh, yeah, again, death to Putin and uh, to his propaganda and hate machine. Now a quick note uh, on Betty White power, I mean Betty White, uh, from top shelf sack Jim Newland, who writes, just got through listening to the Betty White suck and it is hands down my favorite episode. What an incredible woman she was. Her achievements were off the charts and through it all, she was still the nicest person in the room and it didn't matter who else was in that room. We should all aspire to be more like Betty. Yes, hell yes, Jim. Uh, Hail Betty White as well. What a great reminder to be a positive person. You'll work hard, love strong, enjoy life to the fullest. Uh, I've had her in mind a lot this past week. Called my own grandma Betty right after recording last week. Another good Betty. Uh, now let's have some comedy. Cummins law victim, Christopher Hernandez writes, huzzah, Lord of the suck. Greetings to the queen of uh, bad magic. Howdy duty, Dr. Reverend Joe Paisley and all the individuals in the suck dungeon. I'm not that good at storytelling. So please forgive me. I've been listening to time Suck, Scared to death is we dumb for two years now. Uh, Since back in 2020, made it a mission to listen from episode one of Time Suck to catch up to where you're at now. One of the things I've tried so hard to avoid is being a victim of Cummins Law. Well, today uh, became the fucking day, March 9th, 2022. I work at a dog hotel as an animal care associate. That's awesome. Where I literally care for dogs, which is the greatest job I've ever had. At work, we have two separate daycare daycare yards. Uh, A large daycare for the bigger dogs, you know, small daycare for the smaller dogs. The large daycare has both an indoor and outdoor area where a larger dog can roam, also located in the back of the facility next to the parking lot. I'm listening to the Time Stuck episode about Ed Kemper. Right after my lunch, I step into the large daycare uh, center, connect my phone to the speakers, which blasts the last portion of the episode. First thing I hear is you going on a tirade about fucking a severed head. Not knowing that my boss is in the parking lot outside at the same time, a coworker walks into the yard, partakes in your rant about fucking someone's severed head. I struggled to lower the volume of the speakers and was filled with instant regret and embarrassment. Mistakes were made, lol. My boss has yet to approach me about the situation, but I don't think I can show my face to my boss anytime soon. Sorry about the long story. I felt the need to paint a picture. My fiance and I are huge fans of yours, even to the point where uh, your stand-up comedy has interrupted our sexy time, with both of us busting out laughing to one of your jokes. If you can give a shout out to my fiance, Ivory, that would be lovely. We're both bummed we can't make it to the wet, hot American summer camp event due to lack of funds, but we're both huge fans of your comedy and love how you've evolved your podcast. Uh, You're one in a million. Keep it on sucking. Praise Bojangles. Wee! Oh, Woody. Where's Woody been? Uh, Well, thank you very much for the kind words, Christopher. And hello, Ivory. Uh, Maybe don't listen to me during sexy time anymore, right? Maybe you should put on, like, uh, for sexy time, an X Files theme song, right? Be inspired by this episode. Uh, Pretend you're a couple of fuck clones. You know, just a thought. Good luck with your boss, Christopher. Maybe you lucked out and they have a severed head fetish. Or maybe that's, you know, the worst possible outcome of this. Uh, But thanks for sending your message. And we'll go from that Cummins Law message to another one. Uh, This one just really hit me. (laughs) This is very, very specific. This made me laugh so hard. Just the, oh my gosh, the unbelievable amount of awkwardness. Swinging sack, Jewel Morlag writes... Hey Dan, I think I found a new way to get Cummins lot. So my wife and I have been practicing ethical non-monogamy for about a half for about half a year, which is to say we are swingers, a couple that we like very much. My wife and myself were laying around post, post post coitus, God, and we were all telling one another how great a time we had just had. And I poached your everything was perfect, three out of five stars joke in a way I thought was obviously a joke. These friends seem to think I'm kind of funny, and I'm used to being the source of a lot of laughs. We have. No one laughed that time. Took a bit of awkward as fuck explaining that joke. But like I said, these two uh, are really cool. So it was fine in the end. We went along had a, with our great night. Three out of five stars has become a verbal meme within our little clique now. And I chuckle and praise Lucifina every time we say it. Thanks for being my favorite comedian and all the content you and the team make. Oh man, thank you, Jules. That made me laugh so hard to think about how fucking awkward it would be after awesome group sex just to actually bust out. Oh, it was, yeah, it was great. Yeah, three out of five stars. I imagine you did it real dry. Mm, Yeah, three out of five stars. And they felt so insulted and it was so uncomfortable. Uh, Thank you for sharing and hail Lucifina. And now one last, uh, much more serious message from awesome sucker, Sarah. Uh, I will leave her last name out. And Sarah writes, hi Dan, I've never written a podcast before. This feels really dumb, but you talk about mental health a lot. So here we go. I don't expect anyone to read this, but that's okay. I just feel this weird need to put it in writing. I'm 49, I've been struggling with depression and anxiety since at least middle school. In 10th grade, my mom uh, hung herself in our barn. So obviously it runs in the family. I'm so sorry. Never been able to work very long because uh, I get too anxious or a bout of depression that lasts too long kicks in. I just end up quitting. So I don't have my life together like normal people seem to have. Uh, Two years ago, I felt suicidal and was hospitalized. And after that, I had a ton of group therapy, got on the right meds and got the perfect therapist. Uh, Before I couldn't do any of that because I didn't have insurance, but thanks to marketplace insurance, I was able to get the proper care. I was thriving. Yes, still had some bad times, but able to cope. A friend gave me a used travel trailer and I was working for DoorDash. It was great. And I was doing the best I had been doing in a long time. And then the bottom dropped out. I know you expect your parents to die, but my dad was 72 and very active. One day he was working on the side uh, of his house and the next day he couldn't speak or respond to anyone. He was in the hospital for a week and a half. All he did was groan like he was in pain, babble nonsensical words. Uh, my brother and I had to finally make the decision to remove his oxygen, let him go. Uh, that was December 30th, 2021. This is what goes through my head 75% of the day now. Dad's dead and he's never coming back. I, was, I wish I was religious so I could at least uh, say he's happy in heaven, but I don't know. I just know I would give anything to have him back. He helped my brother care for my 96-year-old grandmother, uh, who was verbally abusive for most of my life to me. Uh, my brother has mental issues and can't care for my grandmother alone, so I moved in to help. Uh, here's the thing: I can't even hold myself together, let alone take uh, and take care of me right now. Now I'm caring for a person who can't walk, needs meals made, help showering, etc. My brother is super depressed, so he sleeps all day. He helps when he can, but it's overwhelming. I struggle most days to get out of bed and care for grandma. And then I try to make myself Doordash for six hours, then come home, care for her. Uh, I feel like a lot of days, like I want to kill myself, but I have a 25-year-old daughter who means everything to me. I think if it wasn't for her, I would end my life. Some days are good, but a lot of days my mind is so dark. I don't want anyone to know. I don't understand why, but listening to your dark podcast comfort me. Well, that is good. You make me feel better for a while because I forget about your troubles and the voices in my head stop because the topics are interesting and you're funny. Thanks for that. Sorry for the long oversharing email, but it was cathartic to write. Sarah in Texas. Uh, Sarah, so sorry that your life has been especially fucking rough uh, recently. Uh, I'm not sure what advice to offer you about your grandma other than Googling social services in your area. See what kind of care options are out there that don't involve you and your brother. Um, I personally don't think not your responsibility to endlessly take care of someone who was an asshole to you uh, growing up. If there's a home, you can put them in and get some of your sanity back. I say be selfish in a good way and do that. And also so random, but have you ever tried magic mushrooms? I'm no doctor, I'm no therapist, but in addition to looking uh, back into group therapy in your area, if you can make the time for that, do you know anyone who sells magic mushrooms? Uh, There are more and more studies like good studies being done with amazing results regarding fighting depression, severe depression and anxiety with psilocybin mushrooms, legit studies, promising results. Even my doctor, very conservative, approves of my use of them. You do need to look into the medicine you're taking. If you are taking medicine for depression, uh, you know, do some thorough searches of that combined with mushrooms to make sure that there is no adverse interactions. There shouldn't be, but just check. Um, they can give you a really awesome perspective shift, a deep one to your core. Uh, I've left a link to a very interesting recent study done at Columbia university in today's show notes. You can download these notes using the free TimeSuck app. Just go to this episode, click the little three little dots in the right-hand corner, upper-hand corner, and then, you know, you can figure it out. So best of luck, Sarah. Definitely brainstorm, strategize about how to improve your situation. Even if what you end up doing doesn't work, I strongly believe that just looking, trying means that you're hopeful and that having hope is always better than feeling a hopelessness. So hail Nimrod, hail Nimrod, you wonderful motherfucker. Uh, if I can fucking if I can make a living as a podcaster when I can barely speak one fucking language Jesus Christ I had a lot of pronunciation troubles today <laughs> you can uh, hopefully you know uh, get to better times and I sincerely hope you do so hang in there if that if this helps I, I hope it does and I will get out of here
2: next time suckers I needed that
0: we all did Thanks again for listening to another Bad Magic Productions podcast, Meet Sacks. Keep an eye on the sky this week. You know, if you see any UFOs, don't be afraid. Don't run and hide. Maybe they'll abduct and then, I don't know, fuck you in the best possible way. If you meet any sex-happy aliens this week, I I hope you have the best time. And and that you're able to, you know, for as long as you deem appropriate, keep on sucking. (laughs)
2: Add Magic
0: Productions. March tenth, twenty twenty-two. I am transmitting important messages from Planet Zicon, and also known as Planet Fuckall. This is Nathan Elohim. He has a new message of sexual ascendancy. I must be given blowjobs. From my followers, uh, pretty much nonstop, or the planet is obliterated. I also must be made hot turkey sandwiches uh, at uh, roughly noon, depending on blowjob, and spaghetti bolognese at 6 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, but no later because the red sauce will give me heartburn if I eat it too close to bedtime. What will happen is Neapolitan ice cream for dessert will reduce effects of heartburn and acid reflux, and I would like chicken fried steak for breakfast. That is how we will get to heaven. That, that is all.
1: Justin and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing flex-path learning format,